in particular for joining us for that <laughs> for that intro sequence. <laughs> we really d- didn't keep it cohesive. <laughs> Hello. Welcome to We Bought a Mic, episode 20. Wow. Part three of three of Listomania 2017. Man, we made it the big 2-0. The big part three of three. I am Ernest Calderon. I am Hunter Mobley. And I'm Drew Dietzen. And today we are going to be talking about the best movies of 2017. "Quote unquote best." Are we re- we're really our talking favorites. about our These are objectively the best yeah. movies. Yeah. If you don't have them, then you should probably go kill yourself. <laughs> I'm I'm sick of hearing about the best movies of the year. I just want to hear about people's favorites and if I we're reaching a stage of the singularity where like your entire personality matters as like a, a media person, you know? So like I if I listen to your podcast, like I know who you are. Like I just want to hear like Andy Greenwald's favorite movies, not what he thinks are the best. Yeah, and yeah, us, I us mean, putting in, just... a, in a list is really just for fun because it's like, we're how are we going to tell people what the order of best is? You know, this is this has to fall a little harder on like the personal subjectivity yeah. side of things. So these are our favorites and we know what's fucking best for you. <laughs> and also we should say like if we're even talking about the movie that means that we recommend it because guys, this has been a great year for movies. Like there have been so many unlike in years previous years past um at least in recent memory the, we have just gotten so many 7 and 8s across the board, which is I mean, it doesn't sound like it's the best. We're not getting a single masterpiece, but we're just yeah. getting a lot of really good movies. Yeah, and like there's a lot of talk. I mean, I've contributed to this talk of Hollywood kind of being on the downturn and not doing as well as it has done in 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 history. I mean, there are statistics that 2017 was the lowest year of movie ticket attendance ever. But we're still getting great films. I mean, for some reason, the artistic spark is still there and probably on the upturn, even though, you know, financially people aren't going out to the movie theater as much and it's harder and harder to get people to go to a, a, a movie. Um, somehow the quality is still there and possibly even improving with each year. I think that uh, that's that's really a credit to one the a little bit of Marvel fatigue and really big box office like fatigue where just people are getting tired of two hundred and fifty million dollar movies that are just pretty good every year that yeah. we have studios like A twenty four who we should say was a huge winner this year that's willing to just give. Uh, just give a filmmaker with his own original new idea five ten million dollars just making something totally unique and different yeah, oh, yeah. I, I heavily prefer that I do think that 
I'm I'm gonna say hopefully people are getting tired of of big franchise movies because we we've had enough. We've had so many. They're basically turning, especially with Marvel, they're turning movies into TV. Yeah, you know where you already have the whole thing of TV is once you're past like the beginning of it, you already have the buy-in, so you tune in. I wonder how many people are gonna have absolutely no interest in seeing Infinity War this year, only because they've never really gotten invested, and they're just like, "Well, it's too late at this point." <laughs> I'm, I don't want to marathon marathon through yeah. seventeen movies. Some guys like what? What's that? Very <laughs> kidding. Each of these movies make a billion dollars, so every person in the world has already seen all of them. Yeah. Um, Okay, so let's get into some of our honorable mentions. Um, Actually, before we get into the honorable mentions, I want to quickly run through some of the movies that I haven't or that we haven't seen yet. Namely, Phantom Thread Mm. is coming out this weekend. Yeah, that's true. Um, So it'll be on our 18 list. Yeah, I may try to see it today or tomorrow whenever I get a chance. It's just coming out here and... Uh, sunny Orlando. Um, I'm just going to run through these real quick and you guys can chime in. Uh, Spielberg, the HBO documentary, Last Flag Flying, um, Roman J. Esquire, um, Roman J. Israel Esquire, uh, Jane, the Jane Goodall documentary, Jim and Andy, the Netflix doc, Battle of the Sexes, Brawl and Cell Block 99, Logan Lucky, Detroit, Rough Night, Girls Trip, The Beguiled, the Meyerowitz stories, Life, Columbus, Wind River, which I actually fell asleep during because I started <laughs> it too late. Uh, so maybe I'll get back to it. Um, the Lost City of Z, Lady Macbeth, Personal Shopper, and Raw. So those are just a bunch of movies. And that... uh, we should also mention Darkest Hour, just because Gary oh, Oldman has a really good sick. chance at winning yeah. the Oscar. For yeah. that. So That's I really want to get around to watching that one. Yeah, I have some pretty big ones that I didn't see this year. I didn't see Three Billboards. I didn't see Your Name, which I know you guys both saw. Um, and then most of what you just said also. <laughs> um, I also wanted to mention, we did our television list last week. Um and you might be thinking, well, there's nothing you can do about that now, Drew. It's fucking canon. No, I'm. I'm. You can go back. I'm retconning the canon. I'm. I'm wiping that whole episode didn't happen <laughs> because I forgot to mention Lady Dynamite on my list. Um, this is a. It's a Netflix show starring Maria Bamford. It's co-created by Mitch Hurwitz of Arrested Development fame, and season two came out this year. And I don't know why I forgot to mention it on my list, but it would make it maybe my like five ish on my list. It's really Damn. it's what what would it push out? Would it push out crashing? It or? would push it would push Stranger Things off my list. Oh right, right, which is fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just a season two really amped up like the the game of the series, I guess, and it's very it's. It's, it's really like self-aware. It's like a way, way more absurd, like style version of Arrested Development, and it's just about like this season alternates in between her past, which is shot like an, a '90s sitcom, and then her present, which is just shot normally, like a uh, you know, kind of like a mockumentary, and then her future, which. <laughs> Every time they cut to the future, there's dubstep playing in the background, <laughs> and every angle is like a zoom shot. Every single shot in the future is a zoom shot, and it's fucking hilarious. Yeah, she's she's really talented. I mean, she yeah. writes everything, right? Or um, she, have a, she she has a hand in it, but she is abs- she's just absurdly funny. She's a genius uh, female uh, stand up comedian. Yeah. R.I.P. The show got canceled. What? Yeah. Oh fuck. Yeah. What? No, no season three. All right. Well, season two is is really great. It's a more fully realized version of season one, which I already liked. But if you just like 
absurd, ridiculous comedy. Like, that's what it is. It's just insane. Okay, mm. so let's get into the honorable mentions of our list. And the way I'm going to do this is I'm just going to go through my 11 through 20. Because if you, you scroll down and you click on our Letterboxd profiles, you can go to letterboxd.com um, um, slash Calderness. And you can go and look at my list. It'll be up. Um, there are 39 movies on my list, all of which I recommend. 2017 was an incredible year for film. And I think that, you know, if you're out there and you are looking for something good to watch from last year, I would recommend all of these movies. There's plenty of stuff in there. But I'm only going to go through the uh, 11 through 20 before we get to our top 10. So I'll start with... Oh, and I'll, I'll also say that if any of these films are in you guys' top 10, we'll wait to have that discussion once we get to the actual list. Okay. Okay. Number 11 is Star Wars The Last Jedi. Ah, me too. This movie me is... Three. Synergy! Oh, you oh. Hunter's, Hunter's tinkering over there. <laughs> no, no, no. We we have locked it in. Hunter. It was already locked in. I locked in earlier. Okay, yeah. We locked it in before we started recording, Hunter. <laughs> I am locked in. Fuck. Okay, so... No, we're, we do get the guitar. We're doing the theme song again. <laughs> Number 11. Uh, this film, Star Wars The Last Jedi, is a movie that I saw four times in the theater. Jesus. And each time I felt the length of it. It's a movie that could have easily been trimmed down a good 20 minutes easily. Yeah. Um, it, it's trying to do so much. It, it really swings for the fences. It's a very, very ambitious film, um, which I appreciate because it's a big, you know, property. It's a big product, Disney product, and it didn't have to do that. It didn't have to be a ambitious, thought-provoking, risky film, and mm-hmm. I really appreciate that. Okay. You, you got any thoughts on that, Drew? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, might as well. Uh, I I pretty much agree with you. It's I think it's too long. I think it's ambitious for a Star Wars movie. Um, but I think I was talking to Colin about this. All the themes that were introduced to this that made it ambitious for Star Wars have been in every movie ever already. So right, they made it ambitious for Star Wars by bringing in old themes from any other movie. Um, but with that said, they're, I mean, they're doing interesting shit with a franchise that I was very bored with. Um, so I, you know, my hat's off to Ryan Johnson. I, I was just, I don't know if it was on the pod, but I was talking to someone about how I'm kind of sad he's making three more because I would rather have three more like auteur Ryan Johnson movies in that time. He's like Looper and yeah. Yeah. And brothers bloom. Cause those are just some weird, he, he makes some really good weird shit. If he has like the entire sandbox to play with and now he's being given the action figures kind of, and he's like, Hey, these are your toys, but still good movie. Uh, you know, future's brighter for Star Wars because he's signed on. Yeah, it's it's an exciting new direction. Yeah. Hunter, you have any thoughts? Um, I just, I think that Ryan Johnson is the best director to ever direct a Star Wars movie. Um, there are just some iconic shots in this movie. I do agree with you that it is a little bit too long. However, I think that this movie is definitely an improvement over The Force Awakens. I think that's, I'd say it's the best Star Wars movie since Empire I would go so far as to say that. Um, better than all the prequels. Yes. Just, easily. Uh, it's, it's hard to say. Um, 
But yeah, I just I, I like you said, I mean, it's not like it's totally reinventing the whole film genre, but it is kind of reinventing what a Star Wars movie yeah. can be. And, and there is, having there is something to that. And yeah. Oh, I mean, definitely. Just because so many big budget movies are too afraid to take risks. And I just appreciate that Ryan Johnson is willing to put um, like social metaphors and shit like that and willing to and have Disney all of allowed these. It. Yeah. And Disney was willing to allow it and having all of these strong women in like leading roles, really controlling the entire movie. Um, there are just some unforgettable, unforgettable scenes of imagery in this movie that I won't ever forget really. Yeah. Uh, okay. Number 12 is the big sick. I love this movie. It's hilarious. Really, really fresh, exciting for Kumail and just overall really funny movie. But I wanted uh, the chance to show a little bit more appreciation for some other films that actually made it to my list. Mm -hmm. This is a really good movie. It's available on Amazon Prime. Um, I really do recommend it. I just didn't quite make the cut, but I still love it. I think still think it's hilarious and it's probably going to hold up as one of the best comedies of the decade. It's, it's great. All right. Uh, number 13 is A Ghost Story. This is a film that I just saw last night and I'm still trying to process it, but I really, really like it. This is also on Amazon Prime and it's certainly a film that's not for everyone. Um, it makes you think. It makes you consider what it means to be in existence, what it means to be alive, uh, what our, even our purpose is as, as humans, as, as living, breathing beings. It's beautifully shot, like some really, really beautiful imagery. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it takes its time because it is about the passage of time and it is about the futility of, of life and and how we're all just going to die. <laughs> and it's, it's a moody film, but I really enjoyed it. And I think it's definitely worth checking out at least if you're in the mood for something unique original and thought-provoking that's a ghost story uh 14 is ingrid goes west really enjoyed this film um aubrey plaza produced and stars in it it's about a uh woman who is obsessed with someone over social media over instagram and it really gets that you really get in her head uh, as to like how just so obsessed she is and and the lengths that she's willing to go to force this friendship and you kind of teeter back and forth there's this pendulum effect as to like who you side with it's this crazy person and then the woman that is the victim to her stalking pretty much it it's a really well-made film very well written well acted it's energetic colorful refreshing great great film uh 15 i have coco the Pixar animated film that made me ugly cry in the theater. Uh, really love this movie. Great, great animation. Uh, really emotional story. Very relatable to me and my experience. I really recommend this movie. It's probably one of Pixar's best. 16, I have The Shape of Water. The Whoa. new Guillermo del Toro film. Uh, great movie. Really great movie. I think... It is trying to do a little bit too much. It's a really ambitious story, and it felt a little bit rushed to me. But I really do appreciate the attention to detail, the um, you know, the framing of the shots, the practical effects, the costuming, the 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 whole theme of like 
people who have been ostracized from, I guess, quote unquote, normalcy being the heroes of the story and your usual suburban white male being the villain of the story. I, I really enjoyed that aspect. 17, I have I, Tanya, the um, Margot Robbie picture. Really cool movie. Uh, very like stylized and kind of like wannabe Scorsese. It was really fun. Really cool watch. Um, it's a little weird tonally because it jumps around between like extreme violence and serious drama and like very kind of w- fourth wall breaking comedy. And I thought it that, that was a little off, but it's still a really entertaining film and I definitely recommend it. Great performances from everyone. It's an incredible cast, uh, namely Allison Janey as Tanya Harding's mom. 18, I have Your Name, anime, Japanese language film, technically came out in 2016, but... Released in America in yeah. 2017. Uh, there's a, yeah, if, if, you, if you check out my letterbox list, there's actually two documentaries, I Am Not Your Negro and David Lynch, The Art Life, that are... Um, lower on my list and those also came out in 2016 but I they got their wide release in 2017 so I put them on there I love your name it's it's a cool movie very original very inventive um, it does some really interesting things with its characters and its plot very unique you you got to be willing to, to think for, to watch this movie it really takes you on a I trip. am not <laughs> and I won't <laughs> uh, 19 I have it comes at night um, really harrowing you, film you should have you should have really teased it should have been like i have it comes at night <laughs> i love it uh it kind of ended up a little bit lower on my list just because mm. there's so many great movies out and I, I i mean it seeing it in the theater was yeah. one of the mo- more memorable experiences of last yeah, year it was it, really fun it comes at night is another one i didn't see yeah it comes at night is i'm pretty sure it's also on amazon God, prime dude. yeah yeah i'll see it then because b- before i got my movie pass like this is I'm like the wet dream of movie pass execs because I really didn't go to the movies much. Yeah, and now you're just like, pass. oh, yeah. Yeah, now I just go like once a week. Yeah, dude. It Comes at Night is very, also another very memorable movie theater experience for me because I sat in the in the chair after it ended during the the credits just shaking. I, I, yeah, I have I a was, similar story to that. Cause... I was just shaking. Like, I couldn't get a hold of myself. I was so, like, affected by this movie. It's... It's an intense, intense movie. I love it is very intense, but you kind of have to give in to it to let it be intense. Because I remember after this movie ended, I was sitting there. I had to sit kind of towards the front of the theater. And I'm sitting there like just sitting in my seat after the movie, soaking everything in. And I have like multiple groups of like college age girls walk out and they're just like well that sucked i fell asleep halfway through <laughs> yeah that's happened to me in multiple good movies it's this year. not like so many other scary movies that we get where it's like bam jump scare bam jump scare it just you have to kind of give in to it similar to uh the witch which came out a couple of years ago yeah the itch the itch but both a24 releases yeah. yeah but it comes at night as a film about paranoia and fear that's really what comes at night, and that's what people didn't expect. They were expecting something, you know, more monstrous mm-hmm. to come at night. Right. And the this, ghost was inside us the whole yeah, time. Yeah, no, that's really what it is. It's a movie about, like, the lengths we are willing to go to protect ourselves and the people we love and the, the paranoia and the fear that gets instilled with us when we're put in harrowing situations. And the mistakes that we make when we think we're, you know, saving 
the people that are in danger that we love, we can make mistakes and they can be, you know, horrible, horrible mistakes. And it's a movie that really makes you think and it's kind of, you know, pretty pertinent to our times. In 20, I have Baby Driver. Mm. Really fun movie, very well directed, possibly one of the best opening scenes, if not the best opening scene of 2017. Super, super fun movie. Really recommend if you're looking for like highly stylized action. And I can't say enough about just the choreography of every moment, every little sound effect, every movement is to the beat of the music. And that is absolutely incredible. But we should put an asterisk by it because Kevin Spacey is in it. Yeah, so. yeah. Mm. I, I'm, I thought Cl- Christopher Plummer was... Yeah, they, Chris, <laughs> on the Blu-ray, Christopher Plummer is CGI'd in. Yeah. Yeah. I have it on uh, VHS, and they put Kevin James in there. Nice. But it's just <laughs> I just bought it from some guy on the street. That was Kevin James. Yeah. So. And then my, my 21, 22, and 23 are the Marvel movies, Guardians 2, Thor Ragnarok, and Spider-Man <laughs> oh, Homecoming. Yeah, they're all around the same area. And, and they those, like, I can really... They pretty much just share a spot because I can pick... <laughs> either one to be at any given point they kind of just take up the same slot um but yeah you can check out the rest of my list at letterbox.com slash calderness check it out really all these movies 11 through 20 they can shift around at any point however i'm feeling on a particular day but they're all great movies and i recommend all of them there are just too many good movies in 2017 yeah i hearing your list made me realize that there are even more movies that i didn't see i have (laughs) I have 21 movies on my list. Um, okay, so all at 11, I had uh, I had Last Jedi as well. I, I yeah, I mean, I already said my thoughts. They're just about the same. Um, number 12, I had The Post. Nice. Um, this is we just saw this. Yeah, we day. haven't talked about it yet. It's the new uh, Spielberg directed, starring Hanks and Streep. So it's you know the fucking heavy hitters. Um, and a whole bunch of other people. Yeah, it's basically like the Celtics in like 2010, where they're they're all older, the triple threat trio. But you know, they're still they still got it. Um, this yeah. is like the fuck you Trump movie. I, <laughs> it really. Is. I will say, um, I just want to give some thoughts on it because the post didn't even make my honorable mentions. Um, I think the cast is incredible. Like it's there's so many even just like. People like Carrie Coon show up in this movie and like just some great, great supporting. Sarah Paulson's in there. Sarah Paulson. Jesse Plemons. But it almost reaches the point where you have all these great actors and actresses and they're just like relegated to having like background yeah, roles. Yeah, they have like and two scenes. lines. Yeah, and you're just like, well, what's the point? <laughs> I will say uh, my biggest criticism with this is it suffers from a thing that a lot of biopics do, which everything is leading up to one decision and it's historical, so we know what that decision's going to be. And then the movie just kind of ends. And it doesn't really show the consequences to that decision that yeah. happened with the Pentagon Papers. Yes, and this movie is uh, a very, you know, it's empowering toward women um, because the whole thing is about a woman, you know, making a powerful yeah, decision. Surrounded by men. But a lot of the scenes that emphasize that were very heavy handed. It's very on the nose. Like, That's what I was like when say. she walks out at the end and you know, yeah. it's just, there just happens to be a sea of women right in front of her. And <laughs> they're, they're all, all just staring yeah, at her. Yeah. They're all just looking yeah. at her like, wow. Cause there's a scene similar to that earlier on in the movie. At that point I was like, Oh, okay. I get the imagery. And then we have almost the exact same scene at the end of the movie. And I'm like, okay, I fucking get it. Yeah. Like, wow. But with that said, this is, it's a classic Spielberg movie shooting wise. It has everything you'd expect. It has all his old tricks. Uh, it has newspaper a, making porn. Well, a lot of good one or takes. 
Um, it has classic Spielberg blocking. There's a there's a walk and talk scene oh, yeah. where that's very emphasized with three dudes walking in a line and they're basically literally blocking Meryl Streep out from being on screen. Yeah. Um, there's there's one uh, long take of an office meeting and there's a the it's blocked by a guy uh reclining so you see him in an l shape and then descending there are four people in the background and they're descending in power level as you know you go down the frame yeah and then at his feet is the woman in the scene carrie coon and you know so it's it has a lot of spielberg stuff like that where you're like wow he you know he thought about it and not just the framing but the movement of the camera too you know the oh, way yeah. the i mean spielberg is notorious for f- fitting different types of uh shots within the same take like he'll go yeah. from a close-up to a medium to a wide all yeah. without cutting yeah so it's very it's you know it's typically impressive for any spielberg directed movie to look at uh story-wise it's pretty good it's a very interesting story that i'm sure most not a lot of people have heard of um but yeah it's it's very timely it's very uh you know it's positive about the press which you know press could use some good press yeah um but yeah, I, I I enjoyed it even though it was definitely flawed. It was not, you know, it would never make my top ten. It was just a good all around movie. It it was it was well executed for what it was, which maybe the script is what I had the most issues with. Yeah. Um number thirteen, Brigsby Bear. Brigsby. Nice. Um yeah, uh, Kyle Mooney joint. We talked about it ep one. So all you loyal followers <laughs> out there, you know what I'm gonna say. Um I'm, I was just, I was thrilled that it, he didn't make a shit movie, Kyle, because, you know, I've been a fan since high school, and it's a good movie. It's not a great movie. Um, it's not, like, it's not swinging for the fences, so it's not, like, trying to be, like, something incredible, but it's it's just an all-around good movie. It's very, you know, it's pro-filmmaking. It's a story about people who make movies, um, obviously in special circumstances. This is just one of those movies, though, where I was watching it, and I was like, just with a couple tweaks, this could have been really, really good. Like, for example, I wanted I wanted him to realize t- somewhere toward the end that he had Stockholm Syndrome, because that would be really interesting uh, filmmaking, mm-hmm. to watch a guy come to grips with the fact that his hero is horrible. Um, but overall, it's it's it was a pleasure to watch. It was really fun to watch. It was very cringy, which... I love um, number 14. I do have it. Nice. Um, this was, it's a flawed movie and I don't even know if I want to see it again, but there's something to be said for like having so much fucking fun at the movie theater. And like packed just, showing. Yeah. At a packed showing. And the, it, it's like, it was like a stand up comedian almost because the, the whole thing of the stand up comedian is some famous comedian said, it's like your musician and your instrument is the audience. You're playing them. You're trying to make them all do the same thing at the same time. This movie did that, it, which is hard to do when you're not in front of like it wasn't live there, but it just it knew what the audience was going to do, which not a lot of movies do very well, but it really did. It made us all gasp. It made us all laugh at the same time. And it was still a very flawed movie. Um, it, the the kid acting was really good. Yeah, great, great kid acting. Jack Grazer and then Finn Wolfhard. The whole yeah, the whole child ensemble did very well. Um, and I just you know I I enjoyed it a lot, even though I could see as I was watching it, well they're you know they're relying on the jump scares a bit much, and sometimes the dialogue gets a bit repetitive with everyone just arguing all the time. Right. Um, number fifteen, mother, mother. <laughs> <laughs> 
This is another one. I, I'm not going to see it again. But I, it's just, you know, it's about it gave me a feeling I've not gotten from any movie ever. And the movie and, and the it's a fe- work of art. Yeah. And the, and the feeling was also not fuck this movie. It was it was a different feeling. Um, it, it was very challenging. It's challenging to even think about. Um, hard to watch. Can't recommend it to everyone. And yet I was sitting in the theater. I could not look away. I was transfixed on it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's some of the symbolism is very heavy. And yet I don't think many people left the theater being like that was about three different things. So some of the symbolism is not too heavy. Um, I just I enjoyed it, even though I I hated enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> I I agree with you. Um, of I mother did not come anywhere close to making my honorable mentions mentions or my list. Um, I've stated before on our mother discussion that I did not like this movie, but I was transfixed by it. Um, I if anything, the feeling that was inside of me was a little bit of fuck this movie like <laughs> more fuck Darren Aronofsky yeah no it was more so about that I was like fuck Darren Aronofsky he thinks that he's like fucking god yeah. and also he's just like yeah I'm just trying to save the planet man like I'm just trying to make all these metaphors yeah. uh, but there I mean there but, are filmmakers who deal with both of those themes but no and I understand that it's just very heavy handed my biggest thing with mother is that it's more entertaining and worth your time to argue about it and to discuss it than it is to actually watch the movie. Yeah, yeah like I get all the critiques and it's not like I like I said I saw like 21 movies this year and it's like number 15. Um but I still just I it just I, it fascinated me and I I didn't I don't know. I can I get why you would leave the theater and I get why you wouldn't like it, but I still can't say I didn't like it. I will say I Overall, I just want to say, I overall I dislike the movie, but I'm glad that it exists. I'm glad that people yeah. are, that people are exactly. so willing to give him money I, to yeah. do something. I would like rather this. have Mother over most horror movies that came out this year that mean nothing and are just cheap. Yeah. One thing I'll say, um, I want to make a quick uh, comparison because a ghost story does a lot of the same sort of like um, reality bending montage type stuff that mm. Mother does, where like time sort of falls apart within the montage mm-hmm. and i think a ghost story kind of delivered it a little better because in mother you sort of get like a little bit wrapped up in the metaphors and the allegory and it it can get a little contrived yeah but in a ghost story it still serves the core story that you're telling about these two people mm. and the their romance yeah and I'm, i mean i'm sure there's way better executions of this yeah all right, let's premise. Uh, 16, Spider-Man Homecoming. Nice. My favorite Marvel movie of the year, but by a pretty slim margin, they're all around, hovering around the same area. Um, but I, I mean, this movie was a blast. It was very enjoyable. Uh, like I said, you know, I'm getting a little fatigued. I did see this after the other two that came out this year, even though it was the first one or second one to be released. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just great. I love Tom Holland. I think he couldn't have done better. Uh, the only issues I really had were with the script um, and just, you know, uh, obviously with the MCU, it has to be entangled in some Marvel shit, but I'm getting tired of that. I I, I like standalone films. Also, Michael Keaton. Yeah, Michael. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievably great performance. Great villain. Uh, great twist. One of the best scenes yeah. of the year is, you know, the driving to prom scene. But yeah, okay. Uh, 17, War for the Planet of the Apes. Nice. I This was a good movie. Again, it's. 
I don't. I just don't think it was very like extremely exceptional. I think it was the best of the franchise because I personally was not a big fan of the first one um, or the second. Have you ever seen Dawn? I it's one of the movies I can't rem- even remember. <laughs> I, I think it was on at one point <laughs> in a room that I was in. Um, but yeah, first one, first one kind of bothered me. I would, you know, I was just like, yeah, it was pretty good. This one, it impressed me. It exceeded my expectations. I'll say that. And uh, it was, you know, it was very interesting. It was very, it had a couple laughs in it, but more it was just like a very sincere, dramatic action movie starring monkeys. Um, apes. Planet of oh Apes. Oh, God. Get your stinking hands <laughs> off Can you have like a biology lesson right now, Drew? <laughs> Damn dirty Ernest. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's a good movie. It's, uh, I, I only saw one movie this year that I would call bad. So, Justice League. And luckily I saw 21, so it's not in my top 20. <laughs> and it is Justice League. <laughs> um, so number 18, Guardians 2. Um, I was hot on this when I saw it. And then in retrospect, I was really drunk when I saw it. <laughs> so th- I think the jokes landed a lot more than th- maybe they should have, but it would still, I mean, I think I like it better than one because I love the story of this. I love what they did with uh, the villain. Kurt it's Russell. very dark. Yeah. Like yeah. one of the darkest villains that we've ever seen from a Marvel movie. Yeah. And they also, you know, they it's it's one of the best Marvel villains. Definitely. Because it's not hollow. Like, you know. And a, it's not a guy buried under makeup. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's Kurt Russell. And you can see that he is acting. You know, it's not just like, yeah, there's probably someone making a facial expression under there. Yeah. Like, it's just Kurt Russell. And you love that. And um, he's having so much fun. Yeah, he's he's having a blast. Um, And his character is not a throwaway villain where, like, they're like, I'm bad. Kill me. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's like, no, you know, join me. It's a lot. Honestly, it's a lot like fucking Kylo Star- Ren. Star Wars. Yeah. Um, which is one of the best choices that Ryan Johnson made in that whole movie. Um, so yeah, it, it's an enjoyable movie. Marvel fatigue setting in. Uh, I can't feel my extremities anymore. <laughs> but <laughs> that leads me to number nineteen, which is Thor Ragnarok. Um, I did want to say when we reviewed this, I think just because I was, I, I wanted to have the perspective that I had in the theater. I was a bit harsher on it than I think I should have been. I think overall, I still couldn't call this uh, bad. I I was just kind of disappointed because, like everyone else who you know likes Taika Waititi, I was like, oh shit, a Taika Marvel movie here it comes, and then the it's hu- sort of that. Most of the humor, it was very funny, but yeah. most of the humor, I I wasn't like that's Taika. Like I was just like that's that's funny, but it's not like signature funny. Yeah. Um. Uh, with that said, it is very funny. I. This is the movie that I fucking hated what they did with the villain. I hated how they just... Kate Blanchett. It was like they just threw that in there at the last minute. On paper, it's really it's a really good idea. Yeah, and but the, the sto- execution... Exactly. If they had put five or ten more minutes... I'm, I rarely do this, but I'm advocating for more length to this, to this movie. Because they could have put a little bit more into that story. Maybe a scene where... Um, Thor realizes that she's right in what mm-hmm. she's saying that, Hey, your dad Odin isn't, you know, everything that you think he is. And he's like, Oh shit, you're right. You, 
There just wasn't any. It's of a that. lot of like implied that like you're supposed to put it together, but it comes across as lazy. That yeah, like just, why wouldn't why didn't we just get that? Scene? Exactly. There, I know that they you know they made Thor into a more of a comic device this movie, so it may have been a little out of place to also make him have a tragic realization. I do like the way that the movie ends though with that. Thor can't destroy her. Like, she's so powerful. Like, she is one of the most powerful beings mm-hmm. in the universe. Yeah. That I, I thought that that was pretty interesting. Wouldn't it have been great if Cape uh, Blanchett's introduction would have been like maybe five or ten minutes earlier? while Anthony Hopkins is still in the picture, and they could have had a scene together. Yeah, see, exactly. It just needed more... It had a lot of people talking about family and not a lot of the family interacting with yeah. each other. It's um, very... The, the two storylines that happen in this film are very separate. Yeah, because... They don't really gel. But, but guys, Asgard is a people, not a place. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, but like, I mean, like Harry, uh, guest of the pod, said... It, the ideas were great. The idea of what the, you know Thor becoming a leader in this movie yeah. and the family dynamics—great ideas. I just don't think that the meat of all that stuff was executed well. With that said, the world inside the world on the silly the Jeff Goldblum, yeah, planet, the silly, colorful, it's amazing oh Lego planet—that <laughs> that was a blast. Yeah, that was so also, much fun. Ruffalo and Hemsworth together, I could watch all day. Yeah, like that was awesome. Yeah, it was. It genuinely was. Uh, that was that was enjoyable. So I was a bit too harsh on it, but still, it's right near the bottom of my list because a good chunk of this movie, I was just rolling my fucking eyes. Um, number twenty, Baby Driver. Oh, nice. This this disappointed me. I I still it's it has a lot of Edgar Wright shit that is very good. It has a lot the of editing. Yeah, yeah, classic great editing, great attention to little details, but it is not very funny and it didn't replace the lack of humor with anything because yeah. the the movies he writes with Sean Penn are also actually Simon Pegg uh, Sean, Sean Penn, Penn. <laughs> <laughs> No 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 I'm talking about milk <laughs> I'm Javi Milk and then it like cool edit shot yeah. of a can of milk so you, you felt the absence of Simon Pegg in well, the no, script. Well, no, because, yes, those movies are also incredible action movies with great attention to detail, and they're hilarious. Yeah. This is a great action movie with good attention to detail, and it's not very funny, and there are a lot of scenes of bad dialogue. I, I, don't, I have less patience for this than a lot of other people, but... There were a lot of scenes in this movie that were just poorly written, straight up. They they were great shot, and so it was very distracting because you're like, holy shit, that looks so cool. But what they were saying was pretty bad. There's about four different scenes where they talk about the same things over and over, and there's just no progression to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't remember who said this, but it is like every female character in this yeah. movie was written by a, an eight-year-old boy. <laughs> That's what I was going to say is women are like completely dismissed. Yeah, the movie, love interest. probably the biggest yeah, criticism. Yeah, the, the love interest is literally... Aside from Kevin Spacey a, being in it. <laughs> the love interest is literally a spitting image of the, the guy's mom. Oh, boy, yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other female is just like a floozy. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just... It, it's I, It just struck me as kind of... Not just that, but just generally kind of immature writing. Um, I thought John Hamm was great. Yeah, it, I I thought it had some good performances. I liked I liked Ansel Elgort. Elgort. Yeah, um, but I just if you're gonna take away like a very signature aspect of your movies, which Simon Pegg was apparently bringing to the table with the writing of them, 
uh, you got to replace it with something. And it just it just seemed kind of like an empty movie to mm-hmm. me. Too much style over substance. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And then 21, honorable mention, uh, for my honorable mentions, <laughs> Justice League. Fuck this movie. Okay. All right, Hunter. Let's get through yours. Okay. Um, I just want to say I have almost tears uh, to my list. Um, so, like, really, I could mix up 25 through about 16 or so 25 through about 17. Too bad you just can't. Just based on what I was doing. So I'm just going to run through those. My honorable, honorable mentions. Movies that didn't quite make my top 20. Just going to burn through them real quick. Three billboards. Um, this was a movie, I just want to say, probably had the most movement of any movie that I originally had on my list. After first seeing it, I put it at about 9 or 10. Just because I was blown away by the performances, namely of Frances McDormand, who I think gives the best performance by any actor or actress in a movie this year. She was absolutely amazing. She Woody Harrelson it. is great. Um, Sam Rockwell also gives a really good performance. But this is just a movie that it just didn't sit with me well. I didn't like the ending and leaving the theater. And then I sat there thinking about the ending. And then it made me think about everything that I saw in the entire movie. And I kind of settled to the point where I was like, you know what? Fuck a lot of things that this movie does. Like, I still appreciate the performances in it. And the black comedy is really awesome. It's really hilarious at certain points of this movie. But it's a movie about social ideas and uh, a small town that, like, puts down black people and it does so without any black leads so it's kind of like like what are you trying to well, say well you here? can tell that it was written by someone who's not american yeah like it was written by an irish person trying to tell a like trying to tell a small town american story yeah yeah um number 22 i put war for the planet of the apes mm. um didn't quite make my list i think that it's really good um the ending was really disappointing for me some serious deus ex machinas that's Um, true i don't think it was as good as dawn dawn is definitely my favorite of the trilogy but i still the mocap is amazing um 23 it comes at night of course you guys already said all i love the tension in this movie um 24 i put killing of a sacred deer I just appreciate how weird this movie it's is. It's so fucked up. <laughs> it's so weird, and it takes you like 20, 30 minutes to kind of get used to it, and you're like, okay, I think I get what this movie is going for, but it's still very off-putting at first. Is it weirder than The Lobster? I yeah, haven't seen The Lobster, yeah. Somehow, actually. Somehow weirder than um, The Lobster. Lobster's fucking weird. <laughs> you should see it. And then I just want to give a shout-out to Happy Death Day, because this movie totally <laughs> blew me away. Here we go again that, with this fucking shit. No, okay, like, I went to this movie expecting it to be absolute trash, and it's actually, like, probably the best of any, like, rip-off of Groundhog Day kind of style movie. Because we get those movies every couple of years, it's just like, what if Groundhog Day but this? And... I I enjoyed it. Like I just thought it was a good fun movie. Um, Shout out to Blumhouse. The other than A twenty four, the Blumhouse, other big yeah, Blumhouse winner. and A twenty four both had great years this uh, year for films. Um, so now I'm gonna move on to my top twenty. At number twenty, I have it. Um, this was a movie uh, again. It is very flawed. It suffers from the classic modern horror jump scare problem that so many movies have, but. The child acting is incredible. I think that this is probably the best Stephen King adaptation that the we've ever had. The definitive it. Which is, I mean, and you can tell uh, Andre Muschietti, who made this film, like, he put so much thought into trying to make this unique 
but also pay proper homage to the original mm. book, which is a classic that so many people have grown up on. Uh, counterpoint, where's that little kid orgy? Yeah, uh, that's why it's so low on my list. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not enough children's sex. Sorry. Um, Maybe but, in chapter two. Sorry, Mushi. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get a flashback. Um, no, yeah, but I'm, I'm really excited for it part two with their adults. I just hope that this that the casting, that he does as good of a job with the adult casting as he did with the child casting. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing who's going to be in that. Yeah. Number 19, I have Baby Driver. Um We've kind of discussed it at length. I think that there are some serious problems with the script, but I have to give it credit because the the first 15, 20 minutes of this movie are flawless. Like, Dude, that it, opening scene. It's literally like I'm watching a perfectly choreographed music video, but to a whole nother level with budgetary circumstances. I like <laughs> I just I think that it it did it transfixed me in the theater. We saw this movie in RPX, and like you With could subwoofers feel, under yeah, you the could seats. feel the seat vibrate to every step that they took. It was just really transfixing, and then it's one of those movies that you kind of think about more, and you're like, wow, well, there were really like no important women in that movie, and wow, yeah, Kevin Spacey probably diddled a whole bunch of like assistants <laughs> on the side of that movie, mm-hmm. so. Lower on my list. <laughs> you were thinking that right as you left the theater without knowing that without he did knowing that. It, you just saw it in his eyes. I had eyes. a feeling, yeah. <laughs> he looked a little bit too satisfied in some of those scenes. You know, I, this, I bet the Kevin Spacey thing gave a lot of uh, smugness to all the old like moms and grandmas who were like, I don't like that Kevin Spacey. Because that's the thing that I've noticed. Like Older ladies have always just been like, I don't know about that guy. They saw, they saw American Beauty once. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably it, honestly. <laughs> Like, that was too good of a performance. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. Um, number 18. Uh, I talked about it on the podcast uh, a few months back, but it was a movie called Lucky. Um, this is a movie uh, about Harry Dean Stanton, who's essentially playing himself. Um, he's playing a man in his 90s who basically has to come to terms with what death is. Um, and this movie, I would compare it to Black Star by David Bowie in that – it's a performance by a man who knows that he is dying and that wants to give this kind of look into what it's like to a farewell to piece. kind of in a look of what it's like to come to acceptance. Um, John Carroll Lynch directed this movie. It's it's really, really beautiful. I highly, highly recommend it uh, to people. I was I was in tears by the end of it. Uh, David Lynch is also in this movie as an actor nice. and he is he is great. Um, does num- he does he smoke a cigarette? Oh, it's David Lynch. Come on, <laughs> you know the answer to that. I'm I'm gonna let you skirt by without giving you a sound effect on that one. <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> did it myself. Um, number seventeen. I have a ghost story. Um, this is a movie I really wanted to put higher on my list, but we're starting to get into that point where these movies are all. I love all of them. Um, I really enjoyed a ghost story a lot. It's so moody that I just really appreciated how patient of a film it was. You can tell how patient of a film it is because they spend five minutes of just a woman sitting on her floor eating pie. Dude, it's it's like ten minutes. It's <laughs> it's it feels like a half hour. It is at least six to seven minutes. <laughs> it's so long. But like and I was watching this with a guy in the background, she was like, all right, I get it. Like, she's eating pie. Can we move on to something else now? And I'm like, no, that's not the point. We have to watch her eat this. And it's a great scene because 
she's dealing with the death of her boyfriend husband, husband yeah. dealing with the death of her husband and you can just kind of see all of the emotion come on her in um, an uninterrupted take just uninterrupted you can just see this look of like anger and then it turns to sadness and she's crying mm. while eating this pie like it's just it's really yeah. it's so ballsy of a movie for it to be so subtle and so subdued um, it's a beautiful film. It, it really it not only does it beautiful. look beautiful, but it's I'm still thinking about it. And this is a film that is going to sit with me and I, it's going to keep popping up in my head every time I think about how quickly time passes and how short life really is. It, it's mm. it, it's a movie that like sits with you. Also, it, shout out to uh, the main song in that movie. I've just yeah. been playing it in the car. <laughs> it's, a good um, song. it's a really good song. One, one quick thing I did want to say, though, is... I was so impressed by the Kuleshov effect that they utilize in this film, which is when you have a shot that cuts to a face and oh, you yeah. and you put your brain registers an emotion in that face and you're looking at a, a Casey Affleck in a, in a sheet with two holes in it and all of the different emotions that your brain puts to that faceless sheet it's just a it's just a sheet with two holes in it, and you're able to see so many different su- such a, a a deep performance in a sheet. It's incredible. Yeah, it really is <laughs> unbelievable. Like just amazing job to David Lowry. I really can't wait to see what he has next in store because I was I was really blown away with how beautiful this movie was. Because um, it very easily could have been pretentious or boring, but it just wasn't. You were transfixed by it, and. I felt like I was on the verge of crying at every single moment while oh, watching yeah. this movie. Oh yeah, there's some there's some heartbreaking stuff. Yeah. Um number 16, I have The Disaster Artist. Um I think that this was a Shit. really really good movie. Um I don't think that it was great uh as great as it could have been. Um amazing job by Franco and really by so many people in the cast. I just wish that they would have gone a little bit further and I understand why they couldn't do this, but I wish that they kind of would have shown a little bit more about how Tommy Wiseau is kind of a shitty human being. Yeah, they, it, they go it into it a little it, bit. But, but it also, it's almost, it's it's strange because it's something that I appreciate, but something that I also fault the movie for, that it, um, it wants to make you root for this person Tommy mm. Wiseau but also like makes you kind of hate him yeah well see that's why I didn't feel bad when people were like man I just feel bad for Tommy Wiseau like no they made him look pretty fucking good they did um, yeah this yeah I forgot to put this on my list it wouldn't make my top 10 anyway uh once once the where like when we recorded and talked about it uh I was still feeling like I, I, you know I just I had enjoyed it so much that I wasn't viewing it completely objectively it, it would probably move down down a bit since then it is I guess there's just not much depth to the story <laughs> of what happened. Uh, so they really couldn't get deeper. But, like, it is just kind of uh, fun and, and and fun to watch. I also wish that this would have been... Because it focused more on Tommy Wiseau, which, of course, it should have been. But I feel like we... we I wish that we would have gotten a little bit more from Greg, um, from the other Franco, from Dave, in this movie. Just because Greg, I mean... Greg has the mo- arguably the most interesting story because he's the one who's best friends with Tommy and has to like follow this weird ass dude around. Yeah. Um, and this was a movie that it 
gave you a lot of questions that we all wanted answered, like how old is Tommy? Where is he from? Without ever really providing the answers. Yeah, I, you know, I bet in, in pre-production they tried to find out, and he just, I think he's a fucking steel, you know, locked box. Yeah. No, I mean, and I can't really fault the, like, Franco and the team for that, but it just... It, it hurts the overall movie's yeah, quality. They, they could have fictionalized it a little bit. I think that may yeah. have helped the overall yeah, that's, story a little that's, bit. That's a good idea. Because but, they, they did fictionalize the ending. Like everyone, that, that packed screening at the end when they finally screened the room, that didn't happen in real life. Like that, there's no way that when they premiered that film that there were that many people there. I mean, it was stick. mostly like the cast and crew who yeah, was but there. I'm sure most people left during the first five minutes. Yeah. During oh, yeah. the first sex scene, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah, I think it it was overall good, um, but yeah, I, I guess I guess fictionalization would have been the answer because. But I mean, they're just, just they're playing with fire because they have to have Tommy's write off to even like yeah, exactly, and, and Greg like too, this. and Greg, yeah, and I yeah, and I did want more from Dave Franco because. I, if you know, if you watch like interviews or whatever, Dave is the Franco that you would want to hang out with. Like he seems like a very good, nice guy, but he didn't really. Dave Franco doesn't sexually harass women. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, brother. well, now he's especially the one you want to hang out with. <laughs> but just in general, he seems very. You know, he's very charismatic. He's very like down with anything. He's not a, a pretentious asshole, which Franco already was before. He's also now just horrible. Um, but he didn't really act in the movie he well he acted but he was acting as dave franco actor yeah, his how he's outperformed by james yeah right. he, oh, i mean yeah it was just like how would dave franco react to this guy it wasn't like how would greg because mm-hmm. greg is a whole different guy a horrible actor and yeah. i have no idea dave how franco is too good of an actor to play he, greg's sister he kind of was because you see him and you're like yeah i mean i could see this guy kind of being in a movie you see greg acting you're like this guy's never gonna get a job <laughs> in his fucking life and guess what he never got a job in his life outside of the room number 15 um this is i think 16 down was my like lowest tier of movies that i enjoyed these are 15 through about nine are all movies that i really liked to loved um 15 i have brigsby bear um i have to i had to kind of put on my objective hat here because we're all major kyle boys like we love we love our boy kyle mooney dave beck the whole gang Mm -hmm. um dude what about nick Nick, hey Nick, Nick made it into Brigsby. Yeah. So I mean, hey, shout Woof. out to him. <laughs> Here's a bone for you, Nick. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna be in a fucking Visa commercial, you idiot. <laughs> I I I really liked Brigsby Bear a lot. I think that could have been better. Like you said, I do wish that there were a little bit more. It would have gotten darker. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Claire Danes was an extremely disappointing character to yeah. me. Um, for one, because she's the worst fucking therapist I've ever seen in mm-hmm. my life. She's just like, oh, you've been obsessed with this thing. I'm going to tear it away from you. Now you can have no associations with it. No therapist would ever fucking do no. that. Yeah. Like, that's that's just horrible treatment. They, um, would, they would wean it off. Yeah, exactly. She, she was a plot device. She wasn't a character. Yeah, which is sad because she gets uh, on the, the blue Ray I have she either gets first or second billing that's fine. right next to Mark Hamill I mean and I'm yeah like, they, they, they gotta sell you know like, <laughs> you can't I, put Kyle Mooney up there it's, Kyle just, it's just not gonna work um quickly also I want to shout out the blu-ray um 
this is the worst fucking Blu-ray cover I've ever seen in my life. It looks like they're trying to remarket it as yes. like a Juno type yes, movie. Yes, I saw that. Yeah, it's it like, looks, ha, it's a fun exactly. teen comedy. It looks like Nick and Nora's infinite playlist. Yeah, it's like, it's like, oh God. I just don't understand like what they're trying to well, go for with I, that. You know, they got to they gotta sell packs and I don't know how you would. It, I, You know, I would love it if they made like a 90s, 80s VHS looking cover actually. That would they be amazing. Done that. Yeah. yeah, they could have done that very easily. There is actually a special Brigsby Bear episode in the Blu-ray. Oh, oh lost whoa. episode. How long is, is pretty it? Pretty great. It's about 10 15 minutes or so, nice. but it's substantial. That's good. Um yeah. No, anyways, I just I love this movie. We've talked about it to death. Uh, it's great. I think that I it, maybe it's not great, but it's really really good and I recommend it to people. Um number 14, I have Logan. Mm. Um this is a movie that I feel like might be suffering a little bit from recency bias from other the, from some of the other movies that I put ahead of it because mm-hmm. I was bawling in the theater whenever I saw this movie. But um, overall, I did really, really enjoy it. Um, I do have some serious problems with certain scenes and certain characters in the movie that come off a little bit Marvel-y that are a little bit <laughs> like the whole iPhone scene, like come on you're just gonna fucking sneak an iphone into a top secret facility like really and just like oh let me take some videos of this secret work <laughs> that we have here it was just it was a little bit too easy yeah um i also think that there were some very very generic villains in this movie like see uh, i was secret scientist man. I, I was gonna say that because i was very hard on uh Kate Blanchett's villain in Thor and like with with Logan's villain I can barely even remember because the robot hand guy yeah it's just what I would say is that it's you know it's this movie is much less about the villain exactly and that's one of the things that's why no other no Marvel movie made my list but this movie still did because the true villain in or the true enemy in Logan is himself Mm-hmm. This is it's a movie about Logan basically fighting his inner demons and sometimes literally fighting his inner demons. Yeah. And I I just overall loved it. I think that it had one of the best endings of a movie this year that I the movie ends and I was just like a wreck in the in the theater after watching it. Um yeah, I just I I loved Logan a lot. Um and now we're really getting into the movies that I cared a lot about. Number 13 I have Coco. Um, another movie that destroyed me emotionally at multiple parts in the theater. Ugly crime. Um, this is a movie that also I went to with like pretty much zero expectations because going up to it, uh, leading up to this movie's release, there were so many problems when it was, uh, named Dia de los Muertos and there were like all these people standing out against it. And originally they were like only white writers like working on this film. Also Pixar hasn't really given us a home run in a yeah, while. Yeah. Pixar has been really struggling with their film. It's been a lot of rehashing and like missed opportunities. Yeah. Last, last great one was inside out, which is 2014, 15, 20, yeah, 2015. Was it 2015? Yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah, but I really enjoyed Coco a lot. Um, Number 12, I have Dunkirk. Mm -hmm. Um, This was a movie, one of the best theater experiences of the year, but I've kind of come to this point where the more I think about it, I'm like, I don't know if I ever care to see this movie for my house because it's like it's not going to have (laughs) the same kind of- Hey, you have a sound bar now. I have the sound bar, um, so it will be a little bit more of a home theater experience, but- 
I feel like it just doesn't capture your attention in the same way that it does in a theater. Um, I still think that this is good. It's in the upper half of uh, Nolan's discography for me. Um, is that what you call it? Filmography? You, filmography, discography, <laughs> filmography. Drop the fat album. Ha- in the upper half of Hans Zimmer's discography. Yeah, yeah, yeah there we go. <laughs> Um, no, but I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a good bit. I thought that it was very, very uh, enveloping, and I felt like I was like sweating during the movie just yeah. because it's very, very intense. Yeah. It is a thrill ride for two straight hours. It is a movie that makes you sit on the edge of your seat for a long time, which is hard to do. Yeah, yeah, which I didn't know was possible. There are a couple major problems I have with it. I do think that it's a little bit confusing for unnecessary purposes at some point Mm -hmm. um it's confusing for the sake of being confusing (laughs) just because that's a nolan thing um and that's funny you say that because it's also like one of his simplest films yeah 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 (laughs) no and that's that's the whole thing with it is that i feel like it really didn't need to be as misleading and convoluted as it was i also think that there were some really missed opportunities with the whole mark rylance boat sequence not with mark rylance himself but with some of the other uh actors mm-hmm. um namely the uh the son on the boat the mm-hmm. killing of a sacred deer guy. <laughs> yeah yeah him. is that the little blonde boy no the no, the, the actual son the blonde guy it's the f- oh wait no the blonde guy is the son yeah yeah the blonde so, guy is the son so the, so the other, other guys yeah 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 um but yeah, just some missed opportunities. But overall, I still really enjoyed it. Um, and then number eleven, we already talked about it to death. We talked about it for like three hours on a podcast <laughs> already. The last Jedi. And it's uh, the last Jedi. Okay, so now we are finally going to get to our top ten lists. And before I say my number ten, I just wanted to take a moment to have a quick little, uh, just brief spiel about what we look for in these rankings like what is the whole point other than just being fun about like putting a a objective metric on a subjective medium Mm. um and i think there are three main points to this to to what we look for in good movies and correct me if you guys disagree on this at all i think the most important one is is it an objectively well-constructed film like how technically uh efficient and x and does it excel does it succeed at it what it is trying to do at the story it is trying to tell does it stumble or fail in any ways and that may be why i you know knocked down the movies we just talked about a a couple pegs because they may be well well told stories very good films but they're so trying to do a lot that they don't absolutely nail yeah the second point is, does it personally resonate with us uh, as like individuals? Do we connect with it on a personal level? Do we respond to it on a level that mo- other people wouldn't because of our own yeah. lives and experiences? And then a third point, which is probably the least important one, um, but still worth mentioning, is does it speak impactfully to our society and to our time is it a, is it a movie that is a a artistic product of the world and does it say something about our society and our planet mm-hmm. i think these are the main three things that should be considered and you know i, I struggled with balancing these yeah. and i think i leaned more towards 
the 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 personal side of things and i tried to tug more towards being objective and like picking films that were like you know objectively well constructed but i think it's important to try to look inward and see what you like personally and subjectively definitely um I like if you read any beginning book on any art medium, you'll find based almost the definition of art is or the point of art, at least, is people trying to understand existence and life. Yeah. So by ranking these movies, we're kind of trying to understand our understanding of the existence of life, <laughs> um, which is, yeah, it's you know, it's kind of a silly, uh, difficult thing to do. Uh, I, I do have three things in particular that I do look for. Um the first is, which I sometimes, it depends on the movie, but these vary in importance to me, depending on what the movie's trying to do. Uh, technical aspects being, you know, visual, audio, and just general everything like that, set design, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and depending on the movie that, you know, because sometimes to the movie, it's not that important. So I take that into account. Uh, then probably usually the most important thing to me is construction of the story. Just because the script wise. Yeah, this is just the thing that I happen to be the most well versed in. I've read a lot of books about it. You know, I've tried my own hand in it and all that stuff. Um, so I pay a lot and just naturally my entire life, I've just paid a lot of attention to that. And that I guess that includes uh, scripting also, like the quality of the writing, because yeah. that, you know, quality of writing pays a lot of dividends to a good story and kind of the dance that you have between characters and plot yeah exactly sometimes you want to swing one way and then the other and yeah. it's like this kind it, of zigzag it, weaving dance exactly and it's 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 just so many every movie like the, that's the thing when we talk about a bad movie like justice league so many people work their fucking asses off on justice League. yeah so it's kind of sad because like the grip may have put in the performance of his life, you know, like <laughs> holding that, that boom mic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just all the little things that we don't even notice. These people tried so hard and then they see it just, Oh, everyone hates it. <laughs> um, but with that said, I'm going to keep hating it forever. Um, and then the third thing, which plays a bit into story construction, a lot into story construction is uh, the emotional journey that it takes you on. Um, this is this is something that I've been paying a lot of attention to lately. Uh, to spoil my list a little bit, I saw Coco last night, and that is that movie is technically impressive and it has a great story. But the most impressive thing about it is the emotional journey mm-hmm. that it takes you on. Um, so those are my main three, and then they all have little subcategories. Yeah, I think that uh, you guys basically hit the nail on the head on the best categories to look for: technical aspects, script. Uh, what it personally means to you. Another big thing for me is originality, um, seeing something different. and That's not even based if, on anything. Yeah, seeing something that's wholly original. And even if it's not wholly original, it gives you a very unique take that we've never seen on the genre before. Definitely. Um, with like movies like certain coming-of-age films or certain sci-fi films, heist films, whatever it may be, giving us something that we've seen before but never quite like this. Yeah, I mean, because, like, you know, if you've ever heard of, like, the Joseph Campbell, like, the monomyth theory, every story is kind of the same story. So, yeah. You need- right, we're getting some reiteration, yeah. but if so you gotta it, have a take feels on it feels new and refreshing Yeah, and it's, a, it's a big deal. you got to have some kind of take on it. Yeah, that, honestly, now that you say that, looking at my list i think that that was also one of the things that i gravitated more towards and that's why you know star wars got had to be bumped down to 11 is because it's the ninth eighth movie in a franchise so i wanted to give the edge to something that just feels 
mm. artistically fresh, creative, unique. I'm so original. I'm proud of both of you guys for putting Star Wars outside <laughs> your top tens. Yeah. I, I, because I struggled with it because I really, I had a blast watching Star Wars and I had more fun watching Star Wars than I did a couple movies towards the bottom half of my top ten. But I, while we were sitting here talking before the podcast, I sat here thinking about it and told myself, you know what, like I... I need to credit some of these other movies for being totally different, taking a story, whether it's something that we've that's already existed in pop culture and putting a fresh twist on it or just being wholly original. Yeah, I agree. So that brings us to the list finally and my number 10, which is Brigsby Bear. Oh, wow. It made your top 10. Nice. This I wanted to move it up, but I just (laughs) couldn't quite under over the other movies. I really was doing everything that I could to keep this movie on my list and I had to do some some soul searching and say am I gonna take Star Wars off my list to to make sure that Brigsby Bear stays up there and yeah I mean Kyle Mooney Dave McCary like they they did it man they made a movie and that's what this movie is about it's about making things with your friends and the love and the craft of filmmaking and that's just something that really really spoke to me and just hit me very, very emotionally. Of course, it's not a perfect movie. I completely agree with all the things you guys were talking about. But I was so happy to see this just work of art on the screen and the love and care that was put into it. I, I think Kyle Mooney's performance is probably one of the most, if not the most, underrated performance of the mm-hmm. year. It's mm-hmm. not. It's going to get no love. No, absolutely not. And it's not, so but... nuanced and precise. Yeah. And it's a man that is dealing with so many fucked up crazy things you know it, it's a movie that touches on like captivity and like abuse and yeah. it's really it it, it could have been a mess this movie Absolutely. with all the things it's trying to do Kyle has a thing he can do that the only other person I can think of is Fred Armisen who can do it as well where he isn't able to entirely like get into the logic of a different person who is separated from reality kind of yeah he he fully understands people's brains who don't understand their own brains and the whole point of the story is to take someone with that sensibility and put them in the real world and have them collide with all of these ordinary things but the movie still keeps you in the perspective of the main character and we rarely leave you know the what is it james his yeah his Mm -hmm. circle I really enjoyed this film. I can't recommend it enough. I really, truly believe that it's worthy of being in the top 10 of the year. It's a movie that is going to get passed over completely in all sorts of awards consideration. And in our circles, passed on to our children and our grandchildren. Yeah. I will not care. (laughs) I just, (laughs) I'm so excited that that they made this and that they were able to, to make something just so endearing and emotional and cool and. Uh, and unique and i can't wait to see what they make the scene um where kyle is in his room writing the script for the brigsby bear with the storyboards storyboards lining the walls like that brought a tear to my eye just because it was so beautiful it's like you can tell like this is literally this is how it was he's just just in a room with his friends just making a movie like it's it's such a beautiful sentiment that like i can like relate to and it's it's just it. It's really inspiring. That's it what is. I can say. It's yeah. extremely inspiring. Beautiful. I was. I was not expecting it to be like that either. No, I was yeah. not expecting. Honestly, it to be like that, that is one of the 
the the main reasons why I don't like to watch trailers. And I I went back and I watched the Brigsby Bear trailer, and it's probably the best trailer I've ever seen because it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't it do, show anything. It doesn't yeah. give away yeah. the movie Nothing. at all. And that is the perfect way to go into this movie is to be open to anything and and to expect. Mm-hmm. The unexpected. So yep. watch Brigsby Bear. Right. Support original filmmaking. So we're going around. What is yeah? What yeah. is your number ten, Drew? Dunkirk. Nice. Um, okay. So it's around where you had it, Hunter. Um, yeah. This is a movie like I, we were just talking about what we look for in a movie. This has uh, technically everything is. I mean, I mean, you cannot fault. It is incredible looking and sounding. Like that is that's what Nolan does. He makes movies that look perfect. He's a perfectionist in that manner. And sound perfect. I mean, we as you said, we saw it in IMAX and Dolby and all that crazy stuff. <laughs> and it was just, it was 70 a... 70 millimeter. I, I haven't seen a movie that kept me in such suspense in a long, long time. Since I was a little kid and every movie kept you in suspense. Um, but with that said, the reason it's not higher on my list is because it just, it had kind of something that Nolan has a lot, which is a bit of an emotional separation where you're just not feeling the feels as much as you are feeling like the on the edge of your seat. Um, and I think that, I mean, that does matter a lot. And the story arc was pretty good. Um, the most emotional element of the story was definitely like the boat where the little kid gets pushed and blah, 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 spoiler. Um, <laughs> and even that was not a very heartfelt <laughs> you know it's just it's really not it's just like, not nolan's thing is you being just heartfelt. don't really like he just care no, exactly no one he you know he just is like he's almost like a dude from another generation where he's just like hardened by the world and he's like this you know what makes me feel is the war <laughs> um so it, yeah i think it's it is just maxed out in two categories all technical aspects it's it's an 11 out of 10 um but then it just is lacking in other areas. So I couldn't put it higher, even though it is so it's extremely impressive, but like the little fine points of what happened don't really stick in your head. It just, the the feeling of suspense is more what, you know, you you'd remember. say it's, it's more of an experience than an actual film. Yeah. And it's, it's just more of something that, affects you in the moment than affects you past the moment. Like you leave the theater and you're like, wow, that was suspenseful, but you don't, it's not like you learned anything. <laughs> you know, yeah. I didn't leave like, wow, I should call my mom or anything like that. Um, All right. What yeah, is your number 10 Hunter? Uh, my number 10 uh, movie that I just saw last night actually is Molly's game. Oh, shit. Wow. Yeah. Um, I see this. Okay, this, huge, wait a minute. This is proof that you've been tinkering because this was not in your top. No, 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 like, no. It wasn't in my top. No, no, no. I <laughs> to preface this, I made a change right before we locked in our votes, where I moved Last Jedi from number nine to number eleven, giving way to Molly's Game hang number ten. Um, I'm a huge Sorkin head. I love Aaron Sorkin's writing. Um, this was his directorial debut. I should also say I love poker movies. Like I just love a good poker movie. And this gave you some of that while also giving you a unique look into a woman who was given this ability and she wasn't given it. She gave it to herself, this control over powerful men, which is kind of a message that is throughout this movie. Um, 
I've heard many criticisms saying that this is a movie where it's a lot of men talking down to Jessica Chastain's character, which I did not find that at all. Well, that's, I um, mean, that's probably some residual from what Sorkin gets all the time, because th- sometimes rightly he gets that. Like, for example, I saw a season of The Newsroom in every episode. Right. The, the climax yeah. of every episode is like this <laughs> mansplained monologue where he's just like, here's why you're wrong, little girl. <laughs> but like, I didn't find that at all. I found Jessica Chastain to be one of the best performances of the year. Um, Idris Elba. Also has an amazing uh, role in this movie. Michael Sarah, Mike. Okay, Michael Sarah <laughs> has gotten so much shit for his role in this movie. But I'll be honest, I love Michael Sarah. In this I movie. enjoyed his scenes. I yeah. really liked his scenes a lot. Um, like you, you guys read the article about who he's portraying, right? Who is that? What? Yeah, there's a rumor because there. I mean, it's based on a book she wrote, and there yeah, is a true story. There is a celebrity actor who is in these high stakes poker circles and is like a fucking like who I don't know. Like I haven't seen the movie, but he's just notoriously like a fucking sociopath and really weird. Guess you'll never Topher, Kevin Topher Grace. You're close. It's Tobey Maguire. Oh my <laughs> Are god! You serious? Oh my god! He's playing Tobey Maguire. No way! <laughs> yeah, I, I can see it. Uh, I can see because he's playing Player X. But he basically feels like he's playing himself. But I feel like Michael Sarah and Toby Maguire aren't far off in their personalities. Well, yeah, so. and just like I, I've heard, I haven't seen, but I heard there's like a little scene where he he takes a lot of someone's money and he just says like "fuck you" or something like that. Yeah, that was an actual thing that Toby Maguire they should have just did. they should have just cast Toby. He <laughs> needs to play himself. Needs well, that's work. why they called him Player X because they can't. It would be uh, slander because yeah. they can't prove any of it. Yeah, right. I I like Molly's game. I it didn't make it anywhere near my list, but it, it, I enjoyed it. It was a fun movie. I just I I really had a good time with it. I thought Kevin Costner was great as in in the small little parts that he got. Yeah. Also, I love the opening scene to this movie. Um, oh yeah, the opening. What's scene, the worst thing that's ever happened in sports? Yeah, everything. And they talk about uh, some people say the fir- worst thing that ever happened is uh, getting fourth place at the Olympics, and it shows uh, Molly originally as like a competitive skier who almost like fucking dies in this colossal like crash going down the slopes. She's like, "Do you ever said that the worst thing that could ever happen is getting fourth place at the Olympics? Fuck you." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, that. Yeah, I just I, I really enjoyed this movie. That was all I wanted to say. Yeah, that is Hunter's number ten. So that leads into my number nine, Good Time. Okay. Yeah, this is Didn't the see. this is the Safety Brothers picture starring Robert Pattinson. Very small movie, um, but it's just so energetic and frenetic, and it keeps you fucking going the whole movie. You're just on this crazy mm-hmm. ride with this criminal. Pray tell, one might say it's the Brockhampton of the year, film-wise. Honestly, yeah, that is not a horrible comparison. Robert Pattinson is Kevin Abstract. <laughs> I, I love Good Time. It's It, it feels like, I don't know, it's, it's something very current, very original, very cool. Uh, it, it's unlike any other movie I've seen this year. It just mm. has this, like just this energy to it. The whole time you're on this journey with this guy, and he's a fucking horrible person but you end up rooting for him you end up like invested in his journey wanting him to succeed even though he's a despicable human being and robert pattinson puts on the best performance he's ever put on and i hope he gets some uh nomination love i would love that but i doubt it maybe like some independent yeah he he does some great great work and there are just there are just moments in this movie that are just sticking in my brain and i 
I really recommend it. It's it's a movie that uh, just really caught me by surprise. I, I didn't think I was going to enjoy it this much, mm-hmm. but it's very well made. Great soundtrack. Uh, um, where is it available? I rented it on okay. Google Play. True. They had a yep. 99 cent special, but it's it, it'll probably be out on Prime or something True. soon. It's a small movie. All right, I'll check that out. Then. All right, what is your number nine? The Big Sick. Nice. Um, I've seen this. I've seen it twice now. Um, once just with my girlfriend and we watched it and I, I loved it. I, I've been a big fan of Kumail for a long time um, based on I used to watch The Meltdown with Jonah and Kumail. Um, he has, you know, he has characters on a bunch of great shows. He was on my, the first time I ever saw him was Portlandia because he has this recurring role as like a, uh, a tech help guy who is just like a pain in the ass. And he's just, he's, he's such a good actor. He's hilarious. But even with that and his role in Silicon Valley, we couldn't have guessed that he would be this good at dramatic acting. Um, this is just a great movie. I think... This this year, uh, thanks to Allison, my my eyes were open to a little genre called Hallmark Christmas movies. <laughs> oh my god, I watched some Hallmark Christmas yeah. movies this year they're, as well. Just because, yeah, she just likes. I mean, they're obviously everyone knows they're bad, but they're good to have on in the background, I guess, if you want Christmas themed shit. <laughs> they're on. not. Well, I I like it because if anything remotely good is on, I have to like watch it. I don't have the willpower to not. But with these, I I'm fine. Except I found myself watching them. But what I'm saying is, it opened my eyes to the bleak state of romantic movies. There's so so many of them are so fucking bad, yeah. and this one managed to bring a new story, a new take on the rom com of, and it's based it's all rooted in reality it has great acting great performances it's hilarious yeah it's very funny and it's also heart-wrenching at times it just it hits all the right notes maybe it doesn't ascend into true greatness um but i think it comes close um we've already talked about it a pretty good amount but i just i really love this movie it's a it's also a really good movie to show to your family um, I think you said you did that too. Yeah, yeah. It's just Thanksgiving movie because it's not like it's not like I don't know Shape of Water or something where they're gonna be like, what the fuck is wrong with my son? <laughs> you know, it's my son's just, trying to have sex with fish people. Yeah, now. There, there's nothing super out there, but it still tells us a, a new story, and it you know it's a new representation of uh, you know being a Muslim American, which you can count the amount of movies that show that on one hand. You know, right. it's just it's. It's fresh while still hearkening to other romantic comedies. And I think it was just, it was a delight. It was just a delightful movie to watch. Like, I would just, I would watch it again any day. All right, Hunter, what is your number nine? My number nine, uh, Ernest, you spoke about it earlier. Um, I put number nine, I, Tanya. Nice. Um, I do uh, agree with some of your sentiments that it is a little bit of style over substance at some point. But I just, I really enjoyed, I was just, having a blast watching this movie it really like everybody just says it's goodfellas but with figure skating and it literally is goodfellas but with figure skating just in the style of it all and the events that actually happen of course this is a story following the whole drama that swept up the early 90s with tanya harding um and the allegations that she went through with a uh, um um you said her name the other day drew what yeah i know why don't i know it right now <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's she basically her ex boyfriend bashed the legs of the her competitor Nancy no, Kerrigan. Nancy, Nancy Kerrigan. Yeah. Well, her 
like it wasn't Galuli didn't specifically do the bashing of the legs, but he, he facilitated he it. facilitated it, and it goes through this whole drama of yeah. not knowing entirely what happens. Like many movies use the whole unreliable narrator thing, but this movie has multiple. It's unreliable narrators because wow. it cuts back and forth between being like documentary style interviewing these people about events that happened. 20 years ago and also going back and showing you actual footage of it mm. where like there'll be a scene where Gluli is beating the shit out of Tanya Harding and then like <laughs> Tanya will be like yeah he used to do this all the time like fourth wall breaking and Gluli will just be like that never happened and stuff wow. like that like it was it was really really cool that's, like watching that's it that's pretty cool and there were some amazing like long takes or uh, the figure skating special scenes. cuts well there was um, of course the figure skating is so inventive how they actually shot it where you can actually see her face and you it the camera moves and sways with her movements it was really impressive especially because the the move that she's known for the triple axle or whatever it's yeah. called they couldn't find a stunt person that could do that oh right. yeah it's it, such a hard move to do that they had to like use camera tricks and and uh, CGI and special effects. Like, to, like we're getting CGI in sports now, which is a very <laughs> cool idea that I'm surprised like we haven't had before. But it's it's it's, it's cool. Like it opens up the door yeah. for all kinds of other things. I wouldn't call this a sports movie by any means. It's more of a character drama. Um, this event also we you know we can hear about it, but we'll never know. This was a huge deal when it right happened. before OJ. Yeah, this was yeah. like the OJ before OJ, where it was a twenty four hour news cycle. Yeah, it really was. Like my mom, my parents bring it up all the time, just because there was just a period where it was the thing back when there was more of a monoculture and everyone was on the same channel. And it was before were... reality also, TV shows. And oh. Yeah, and also uh, figure skating was much bigger in the early nineties than it is nowadays. Nowadays, like. Nobody really gives a shit about figure skating. I'll tell you what, when the Winter Olympics or Winter Olympics are coming up, I'm actually going to pay attention to figure skating now because I almost feel like I have a new appreciation yeah. for it after this movie. Um, uh, I'll tell you right now. I've look, I, when I was a kid I was super into sports and I would try to get into every sport and like you, it's it's rough. <laughs> <laughs> um no, Allison Janie, I she really gives a, just an unbelievable performance. She's so I would say fucking good. Okay. Imagine J.K. Simmons and Whiplash as a mother. J.K. Simmons <laughs> and Whiplash mixed with Laurie Metcalf's character and Lady Bird, and you get Alice and Janie. Yeah. You get uh, um, Tanya Harding's mother. Throw, throw some cigarettes in there. Yeah. I think, like, I think this movie might win. I haven't seen it, but I think it wins the award for best elevator pitch of the year. Goodfellas figure skating. Yeah. No. Like, <laughs> Done. Like, fund it. And I that's give, literally my money. It, Like, it's... It's so stylized and everything, and I understand some people having a problem with that, but I loved it. Um, I really, I love whenever filmmakers are willing to take, uh, like, creative risks in making it, and Craig Gillespie, who directed this film, definitely did that. Um, there are some scenes, because there's a lot of domestic abuse that happens, and some of those scenes are kind of undercut with, like, fourth wall breaking moments, but then there are other scenes where... One, in, no one in particular. Music. There's no music, and you just see Margot Robbie getting the shit beat out of her, and it's it's heart wrenching, and yeah. it almost reaches this point where it becomes so casual that it's even more heartbreaking than just being like a one time climactic thing that you just see this is a regular thing for her. This her, is just her life, waiting yeah. for the bruises to heal enough that she can put makeup on to go on with her life. Oh my god, that scene where she's looking in the mirror and, and just she's covering like, up her bruises. She's mm. trying not to cry because she has to go out and perform on the ice and 
so much acting. Yeah. Like, it's incredible. Yeah, I was impressed by Margot Robbie in this movie. I mean, I wouldn't say that she's necessarily like the MVP yeah. of this movie. Honestly, um, there's a crowded race for best actress this year. Yeah. There's a lot of great performances. Um, also, I want to say Sebastian Stan. Um, he disappears who, in the role. Yeah, he really, he kind of, at first whenever I saw him on the screen, I was like, is that Scoot? Because it looks like season <laughs> one, Halt and Catch Fire, Scoot McNeary. Um, um, Scoot can grow a way better mustache. <laughs> also, Paul Walter Hauser. Who plays a uh, Sean? Yeah. This movie is like, hilarious. Whew, that he, guy. Is, he is so fucking funny. Okay, um, I was just, if anything, I was uh, just looking at the IMDb for this movie. His face is funny, dude. Yeah, <laughs> his just character is unbelievable. It's, like, it's so funny because at the after the movie ends, it shows uh, real uh, <laughs> like footage of the, the actual yeah, the, right, the real the people, real and the guy's just like, "Yeah, I've done uh, lots of espionage, air national espionage." Um, <laughs> and they're like, "Well, we looked into it, and no, you don't." You You've never done that. Like, well, funny. well, I did. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Like it's so it's so funny. If anything, I will say this movie comes down in uh, a situation that's always been very uh, divisive and has never really had any full on answers. This movie comes down pretty heavily on one side, on Tanya's side, um, which I didn't necessarily have a problem with. But I understand why some people would have a problem in such a controversial topic to kind of choose a side to oh, come yeah. from. I bet I bet like middle-aged people watch but that they're like fuck you. Also, yeah. I've heard a lot of complaints about there wasn't enough Can- Nancy Kerrigan um in this movie because she was the victim, but mm. To be honest, Tanya Harding just has a much more interesting story when it comes to her life growing up and everything that made her who she was and why that influences on whether or not she may or may not have had something to do with the Nancy Kerrigan mm-hmm. uh, a- assault. Um, but overall, I just really, really enjoyed this movie. I definitely recommend it. All right. My number eight is... Logan. Ah, oh, nice. Good. Logan. This is the only superhero property that made it onto my list, and it deserves it because this is a movie that doesn't, you know, worry about anything that has been established about this character or the X Men or any of these superhero universes so far. It's a story about a man who has been broken and beaten and is just ready to fucking die pretty much (laughs) he's he's been told over and over that he's a monster and that he's doesn't belong in the world and he finds hope in this little girl and it's just the story of him and charles xavier and this girl trying to to make it into some sort of survival and and you know, live. Mm. I really, really love this movie. Like I, I saw it again first, um, you know, the second time recently, cause I got the blue and I just, Ugh. yeah, I thought it was really, really good. Uh, Hugh Jackman just puts on an incredible performance. He's such a fucking good actor. And mm. the brutality, the gore, we see this Wolverine fucking do what he should what you should see him do is just hard R fucking violence. Like this is a guy with blades attached to his hands. Don't say hard R. <laughs> I think of uh, other stuff. You know, this this movie, like this is the Wolverine that we should have always gotten. Mm-hmm. This is the the hardcore 
yeah. just violent version of this character. And Hugh Jackman gets the chance to really put in the the work that he's always been able to. Like he's yeah. we've always seen him as a great actor, but never in this character. So I really, really enjoy this movie. I think they made an incredibly great decision just letting him walk away from all the X-Men stuff and just really tell this one story about a man battling with his inner demons and finding his mortality and his humanity. Yeah, I mean, I I wholeheartedly agree with everything you're saying. I was completely delighted and shocked by this movie. Even with the marketing where they make it look dark, plenty of times Marvel makes movies look like they're going to be something and then it's just another funny movie. <laughs> this this committed. Like this movie went all in on its premise and it fucking nailed it. Yeah. Shout out to Fox for letting James Mangold make something that was really unique and really fucking dark. Unlike anything else that we've ever seen in a superhero movie except for maybe Watchmen. And like yeah, but that's Dark Knight kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um both of which are good. I, I would put Logan up there with the Dark Knight as some of the best yeah. work to come out of the whole superhero yeah. craze because they're both two movies that transcend the genre and mm-hmm. tell a story that is bigger than the comic book. Yeah, and they're both able to pretty much stand alone even though like they really earn a lot because we know the characters obviously yeah, obvi- mm-hmm. oh, obviously yeah. like yeah we we connect with Hugh Jackman's Wolverine it because makes it a lot a whole yeah it's history. a lot more tragic and that yeah. final shot is all the more impactful because of all the yeah. movies that we've seen the, him in this is one like can you fucking imagine a world where marvel does this for like the last iron man they make the most fucked up shit you've ever seen (laughs) they wouldn't do that well it also like i mean it just it also doesn't work for like iron man and even like captain america and stuff like that because it's not who the character is where we have i mean the old man logan comics does show this version of logan that we get logan has been like always this very brutal monster of uh, a superhero even in the more humorous x-men movies wolverine was never particularly funny at all no yeah he's always been like very serious even in the comic scenes he had what thor used to have which is like the fish out of water uh character where he would just be like what are you guys talking about he gets a couple one-liners here and there yeah exactly but overall he he was a good choice for this and this was a good choice for a movie to make yeah. Okay. All right. What is your number eight, Drew? A movie I saw last night and my eyes are still puffy. <laughs> Coco. Um, Remember yeah, see, me. God, fuck. See, Ernie <laughs> talked about this movie and he was talking about, you know, how he was fucking ugly crying in the theater. And I was like, yeah, but it's like super specific to Ernie's life, you know, with the the Spanishness and like the musicianness. Music, yeah. Spanishness. But no, I watched this and I was, I had to keep quiet and I was just like quietly sobbing. I, no other movie affected me emotionally like this, this year. Like it is regardless of how much it does personally relate to you, which there is some there because I've, you know, done the music thing and the, I, this is just a movie about generally wanting to do something that your family is not very familiar mm, with, yeah. with, whether or not they completely approve. If they just are like, Oh, oh okay. That's new. Um, it's just a movie about family and about, it's just it, like every Pixar movie touches on family for the most part. This movie wow (laughs) like the reason it's not higher on my list is because throughout it especially in the first two acts i was alternating between like 
being like, wow, Pixar really like figured out the formula. And then like, wow, Pixar really figured out the formula, <laughs> you know, like where it's like, okay, yeah, I can see, you know, it has they're, like, they've refined it. Perfectly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So at times I was like, oh, there's the goofy dog and yeah. Yeah. you know, there's the kooky old lady. Like, it's like, yeah, we've seen it. It was borrowing from plenty of shit. There were plenty of tropes in it. Like, I don't know. There are just a couple points where it's like, oh, like a guy walks by with a cart full of shit and the kid disappears when he's running away from someone, yeah. just stuff like that. Mm. But, I mean, we were talking about having a fresh take on a story. Like, good lord, what a fresh take! It's culturally, it's something that Pixar has never, uh, you know, even touched on, or any, for the most part, like high-profile animated movie. Um, there was that uh, one or two years ago, the very similarly, um, the Book of Life. Yeah, which people didn't see. Yeah, <laughs> um, but, but yeah. even that didn't have like hispanic voice actors i don't think maybe yeah I mean, this is all like hispanic cast yeah this uh, it was very respectfully done and like obviously i don't take part in the tradition of dia de los muertos but like i fucking wish i did <laughs> like good. it's just it, it makes you think about death and family and how you want to be remembered and how you want your family to remember you and the, the balance that we all struggle with of like, I want to be an individual and I want to be individually great, but I also don't want to just completely abandon everything I came from. And it, it, it really is. It's a touching movie. It, by the end of it, it, it has an incredible crescendo, like story wise, the beginning, you can kind of see, you know, how the sausage is made because we've had so many Pixar movies. You're like, yeah, I, I get it. But then by the end, it doesn't matter. And the climax just, it fucking hits you exactly for, like over and over it's like there are so many revelations in the in the climactic moments of the yeah. film that you think that you've seen the big moment yeah and then there's another one yeah. and another one and another one and you're just like emotionally wrecked. <laughs> yeah. like stop <laughs> i like I, if anything i will say like I felt at certain points like I was like starting to get ahead of the movie. It's like, all right, well, we get it. This is going to be See, how this goes. And then it like kind of undercuts that and be like, oh, well, I wasn't expecting yeah, that. Yeah, you weren't. The, like, the, okay. the one big twist you didn't see. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, toward the middle, there were some scenes that felt a bit obligatory. That's why it's not higher on my list. There were some scenes where like, it's the same with most movies. We're in the middle. It, it looks like everything's about to get resolved, and you're like, "Well, no, it's fucking not." It's we're 45 <laughs> we minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> so th- there were a few scenes like that where it's like, "Okay, come on, let's just get through this so we can get to the end." But mm-hmm. you can't have a movie without the middle, you know. Um, so yeah, even though it wasn't, I think the maybe the weakest thing was the construction of the beginning of the story. But like I was saying, my big three things emotionally, 11 out of 10. Um, technically, animation. Oh, oh my, it's, it's oh my god! Just layers and layers to the animation. Yeah, like, like and I wasn't even like on acid, but like that would. <laughs> You're be, like, whoa! That, I'm that'd be dead. Something. I'm dead right now. <laughs> I'm dead, bro. <laughs> All right, Hunter. What is your number eight? Um, okay, so I will say my number eight through five um, is my next tier that I have to my list. All these movies I loved. Um, number eight, I have the Big Sick. Nice. The Big yeah. Sick. Nice. I. I love this movie. Um, I do think that the ending could have... The very, very end? The very... Not the very, very end. Not the last But um, basically the resolution to the film could have worked a little bit better. I understand it's based on a true story and this is actually what happened with um, 
how spoiler she gets out of the coma because this is Hunter by his wife. <laughs> so they kind of wrote That's this movie true. together. No, dude. Spoiler. She wrote it before she went into the coma. <laughs> She's still in the that coma. That would make it a much better movie. <laughs> um, he he grabbed her hand and like yeah, wrote yeah. it for her. <laughs> it was like a Ouija board. Like neither of them were controlling it. Oh my god. No, but I, I really love this movie. Um my Undercard best per- underrated performance of the year goes out definitely to Ray Romano. Oh, he fucking nails Ray it. Ray Romano kills it in this movie. Yeah. Like it was so surprising to see him just yeah. have a great he's still he still got the, it. From the very first moment where or not the very first moment, but the moment where they're eating together at the cafeteria. He's <laughs> like, So uh what do you think about nine yeah, eleven? So uh nine eleven. I've always wanted what about, to, talk to talk to talk to someone, someone. about that. <laughs> He, you've, you've never talked yeah. to anyone about that. <laughs> Ray Romano, I feel like, is a guy who is cursed by his success because he's, I mean, he's pigeonholed as Ray Romano. When you have a sitcom that your name is your character, it's hard to get out of that. The yeah. only person who has is Will Smith. Kevin James. Okay. <laughs> he doesn't play Kevin James in King of Queens. <laughs> um, but he, he truly is, he was a talented stand-up before he got the show. He's a good comic actor, and he proved that he's just a good actor in this. I think that if he had gotten more screen time, there'd be more buzz for nominations for him. But he mm-hmm. didn't get quite enough, I don't think. I mean, he has that one big scene, which is yeah. I really, really, really great. I really, really hope that this gets a Best Original Screenplay At nomination. the very least. I really hope that, if nothing else, because I think it's very deserving for Best Original Screenplay, the chemistry that Kamel and uh, Zoe Kazan have on screen is like it's so incredible and it's so believable like watching it I was like wait are you sure like that's not who Kamel's married to because like they have too <laughs> yeah. good of chemistry on the screen and like it's just it's a it's almost like an alt it's not like intentionally alt like like a Nick and Norris or like a movie like that where it's just like trying to be quirky, quirky yeah. but it just shows a different type of romance that is not the traditional like oh sweep you off your feet blah 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 because most romances that we have aren't like a fucking movie aren't like a bad movie mm-hmm. and this this shows a nuanced story and yet it's still relatable because it has all the little, oh yeah it has so many little moments that you're like I I remember that and it doesn't it doesn't lean too hard into the whole like diversity Pakistani oh, no. angle. It's, it's no, not no, shoving anything in your face. It doesn't come across as having like a, an agenda. Right. It's, it's just a story and it's yeah. a great story. Which I, I, that's also a credit to uh, the directing by Michael Showalter. Hey, or, yeah, yeah. Cooper from Wet Hot. Yeah, he, uh, he did a great job like as not trying to over direct this movie. Yeah, he really, he it, kind of Apatowian, he let things play out but it, it, this movie did strike me as a little bit more organized than the and, average Yeah, movie. and it wasn't 30 minutes too long yeah, like every exactly. other Apatow film. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think Apatow is a Maybe he's best as like an executive producer. And yeah, then, getting people together. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then he he thinks his stars are a bit too funny, so he just lets <laughs> them talk for a bit too long. Yeah. All right. My number seven is Call Me By Your Name. Nice. We just saw this film a couple days ago, Drew and I, mm-hmm. and I really, really loved it. I yeah. think this is a beautiful, beautiful movie about romance and 1980s Italy mm-hmm. um, it's the story of this young 17 year old boy falling for a 24 year old American exchange or not exchange but like uh, some sort of a a, semester yeah, a, abroad yeah he's a grad student doing an internship 
uh, yeah. with with this kid's dad. Yeah, so they spend the summer in their you know northern Italian chateau, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of uh, bike riding and swimming. Yeah. It's just it's an ex- insanely like picturesque. It's very dreamlike. Yeah, and and it's, and it's a love story about these two characters, and it's just it's it's almost the whole thing is just intoxicating. Like, yeah, you just want to go to Italy so bad. Yeah, yeah, you feel you <laughs> almost like, feel like you're there too because yeah. you you just get this like there's just this texture to the film that you get kind of like sucked in and and it plays out in this very just very again just very dreamlike summertime Mm -hmm. sort of droll where like yeah you 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 feel the the longing between these two characters and it being set in the 80s it speaks to why the, the the multitude of reasons why it's so wrong for them to be together. Yeah. But, you know, this being a story about like homosexual love, it doesn't it's not a story about taboo. It's no, not it's not it's a not. story about like two it's people not like, who shouldn't be together. They're not running away from the cops in right. this movie. Like it's, it's not broke back mountain. Yeah, there's there's just saying. there's really not an air of like, oh fuck, like I hope they're okay. Yeah. Like it's just it's love that is forbidden but not explicitly forbidden. And this is something that um uh, my girlfriend Lee talked about in one of the reasons she her gut reaction to this film was that she really did not. Oh like yeah, it. we came out of the theater. She was like, "What the fuck?" Was she that? hated it. Yeah, and it was because she she expect- hates gay people. <laughs> <laughs> no, she, she said she loves Brokeback Mountain. So. Yeah, she expected something <laughs> more tragic, more dramatic. Mm. And if you're going into this movie expecting something really over the top, melodramatic, mm. you're not gonna get that at yeah, all. It's, this it's it's a romance. It's a beautifully like just quiet small love story that yeah. lingers on its characters and on just these small moments of love and longing and connection yeah with an unreal performance by timothy chalamet oh like army hammer does fine timothy chalamet runs laps around every other actor in this movie and he's like a kid that final shot is unbelievably yeah, good yeah there I, there is at the very end of this film there is a conversation that timothy chalamet characters has with uh, cover your ears Hunter. with oh, michael no, stuhlbarg's character mm. and i was like so just touched by yeah, this scene that got me going that Michael Stuhlbarg's, who is Michael Stuhlbarg, is probably the MVP of this year. He's been in everything. He's was in the Post, Shape of Water, this. Like yeah. he, the monologue he delivers, it just got to it's, me. Like, what I compared it to was the end of Catcher in the Rye. I know we're crossing media, so bear with me, <laughs> audience. But there is a speech at the end of Catcher in the Rye where this confused teenager goes to this, you know, father figure for help and he just gives the perfect speech of exactly what this kid needs to, needs to hear. This is just like that. Yeah. It's just exactly what this kid needs to hear. Um and it's just it's it's delivered perfectly because like you said it's not like the it's not like he's like weeping while he's delivering it. It's just a very like you just believe it. He's just like unflinchingly And the the direction by um what's his name? Luca I'm gonna. I don't want to butcher this guy's name, Luca Guada Guadagnino. Guada Guadagnino. I think you butchered it. Yeah, <laughs> um, yep. That was that was a butchering. <laughs> sorry, man. Uh, this guy is a very talented director, and it, he gets yeah. really good performances out of these actors. And you just get the sense that you are a fly on the wall experiencing the, exactly all of this it's, play out. It doesn't quite have the naturalism level of uh, the Florida Project. 
but it's it's kind of close to that. Yeah. Um, and that is just it's not giving you like like with Coco, it gives you every little thing you would expect from a mm-hmm. well-rounded story. This is just something that you could see happening. Yeah. And the the music is beautiful. The score, the costume design, the the framing of the shots. Just this is what cinema is all about. At least for me, is is the marriage of all of these beautiful aspects coming together and it being a just colorful mm-hmm. vibrant work of art love yeah. this movie I'll, yeah I'm- i just want to say um so i tried to see this movie last night and a uh, shout out to regal winter park theater for first of all this movie is only playing at one theater in sunny orlando all right drew what is your <laughs> number seven okay my number seven is logan um you, i mean it's been touched on this this movie just hits all the right spots for me, like I've said before, I I like my hero movies to either be really funny or eat, or really fuck you know dark. Um, it, I don't like just melodrama without darkness because that feels hollow to me with a superhero movie because just logically what these heroes are dealing with is not just melodrama; it's really fucked up stuff. And what a decision! Like who the green lighting of this movie is a blessing. Like it's it's the MVP of the whole year because it's just something that could have very easily been like you know there's a meeting and they're like yeah that's a great idea we're gonna table that we're gonna go with this a little more friendly version that everyone can see because you know the kids like wolverine they're gonna want to go to the theater which is what they did with the previous wolverine film the one that's called the wolverine yeah exactly that's pretty much what happened yeah and it it turned out being pretty mediocre yeah um this this movie didn't compromise it just it, it went for it yeah it went all out and it completely paid off it i I love that it's just stylistically. I mean, X Men has always been stylistically very uneven because there's like you know there's like First Class, which is like a retro movie, and there's darker ones that are bad, and there's darker ones that are pretty good, and there's pretty standard hero movies in there. Uh, this this is the best one. Um, this is the one. It's I wouldn't want every single one of them to be like this because that would kind of cheapen this one, but just. Out of left field, like I said, even with the marketing, I was not thinking, oh, this is really going to be fucked up. This is this is a dark movie. It, I think maybe some of the story stuff is a little stale, even though it's very, you know, it's mostly fresh. Um, but it just, it kind of rips your heart out. It, it deals with two characters at the same time who we know, Professor X and Wolverine, whose worst enemy has become themselves, just fighting with these horrible internal demons and then it throws in this little girl um, who, you know, breathes life into the whole story and kind of facilitates everything and gives Wolverine a, a purpose when he's just been floating on Earth for so long. This is what so many superhero movies are not, which is a human story with human stakes. Yeah, I, I that's that's why I like them to either be funny and self-aware that it's ridiculous because superheroes aren't relatable like necessarily <laughs> we're not i'm not a superhero oh you're not but i oh. am oh you gotta get out the podcast <laughs> but i am a 400 year old man with claws <laughs> that's why i like this movie. we bought a logan <laughs> um it's just a it's a great movie i i just want more hero movies like this because it's almost not a hero movie mm-hmm. it's a it's a guy with powers but like man is it the the powers it are is, killing him it's really yeah, exactly. it's the best version of the anti-hero story yeah like it's it's kind of i don't know it's it's like almost what ryan johnson was kind of going for with uh where he took luke skywalker yeah but it does it a lot 
uh, a lot. Yeah, go, a it, lot of similarities there. Yeah, but yeah. it goes a lot more in on that. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's not just like you know he oh, he tosses the lightsaber. Well, it's like no, he wants to be fucking dead. Well, yeah. that's the difference between Fox, which can still take risks, and Disney. Which yeah, it has to cannot. be a lot more measured. Yeah. yeah. All yeah. right, Hunter, what is your number seven? Uh, my number seven is similar name to yours, Ernest. I have your name as my number Period. seven. Your name. Your name. <laughs> um, Ernest, the movie. <laughs> no, uh, I... Num- my number six and number seven, I watched these movies with, like, fairly recently with little to no expectations for them. Um, your name was recommended by a co-worker. Shout out to Joey, uh, Snack Bar Joey. Um, he invited us over to his house. He has been talking up this movie as like one of the best movies of the year. And so I was like, you know what? Like, yeah, I'll go over there. I'll give it a shot. I'll check it out. Wow. Like this movie, like it made me think it, it affected me very emotionally. Um, this is a movie created by, uh, Makoto Shinkai. Um, it follows, uh, two characters, Taki and Mitsuha. Uh, Mitsuha's a girl from this small town in, uh, like, basically countryside japan and taki is a tokyo boy yeah he's a tokyo boy lives in the city um and they kind of have these like freaky friday type episodes but what's so amazing about this movie is there's not really any setup there's there's no real explanation that goes on and it takes a lot of thinking for yourself to kind of put the pieces together and there is a little bit of explaining they they kind of they'll document like what their day's events were and like what they did that day while they were in the person's body the montages are amazing um a lot of like japanese pop songs uh, that have been dubbed in english (laughs) uh there's some um some like really like really really funny like body horror elements where um you can always tell when uh, the boy wakes up in a uh, Mitsuha's body because he'll like always like the little sister will walk in he's like sitting there touching his boobs and stuff like yo I love body horror <laughs> <laughs> no but it's like it's genuinely really really funny um and it's. It's also just so touching. There is an amazing twist that I did not see coming at all that uh, comes uh, in the I, towards I'd say the end there's of the a second couple act. of twists. This, yeah, this there movie, really are a few twists. This movie like takes you on a ride. It does take you on a ride, and I just appreciate just how original it is. I think that this is, I'd say it's in probably the top ten of best anime movies that I've ever seen. Um, it's really up there with some of the best Studio Ghibli movies. Um, I just I love this movie. I think that more Americans need to see this movie. Um, it is the highest grossing movie of all time in Japan, and it made like two or three million dollars in America. Mm. Um, Yikes! That's why it was released in Japan in 2016, but it got a wide international release in 2017. So that's why I just wanted to put it on my list, um, just because. It really surprised me, and I really I recommend it to anybody, even if you don't like anime. Um, I just think that there's a lot that you can take from this movie and messages that you can kind of carry with you in your own life. And it's fun. It's it's really yeah. fun. Yeah. All right, we're gonna do our number sixes, and then we're gonna take a break before getting into the top five. So my number six is the Florida Project, mm-hmm. Sean Baker film. Very small movie. It was very hard to find. It only played in one theater here, even though it was shot here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this movie just it's it feels like 
a perfectly amazing portrayal of childhood mm. and specifically childhood and poverty because these are kids that live in a motel across the street from Disney World. Yeah. And, and they <laughs> the best part about the whole movie is that they just it doesn't matter. They don't yeah. they don't care that yeah. they're they poor. Don't, they, they don't they don't know they hardly know they're poor. They yeah. don't know they're poor and that's what this movie is all about is is the magic of childhood and the the magic of feeling like the world is just this grand amazing place full yeah. of opportunity. This movie is shot beautifully. It looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Um Sean Baker managed to get these incredible performances, not only out of children, but out of people who had never acted before. The only like real performer in this film is uh, Willem Dafoe. Who kills it. Who He's unbelievably good. But I, I have her name pulled up for when I was going to talk about it. Bria Venate. The, the the mom, mom yeah, oh, yeah she who is, is this she person? Was she was so fucking good. Yeah, they found her on Instagram actually. Yeah, exactly. She like, like she really looks the part. The tattoos <laughs> are not fake. Yeah, if you look at her press photos, like she really is like that. But that her performance is just like I was blown away. I was like, why is she not in every movie? And maybe it's because she's actually like that. Or yeah, something. <laughs> like who knows? Sean Baker did the impossible. He managed to basically just turn the camera on and tell these people to say some stuff. Mm. And it turned out to be one of the best movies of all year. Yeah. I, I don't know how he did it, but it, it just, it it's, feels so organic. It's like, unbelievable. It's... Like the camera is just floating along these moments. And sometimes you get a moment that's really endearing and really funny and, and cool. And sometimes you get something that's really like harrowing and, and intense and emotional, this movie is just full of so many great moments. Uh, the one that I always go back to is Willem Dafoe with the cranes shushing mm-hmm. the cranes yeah. away yeah, yeah, from yeah. the motel. That's amazing. That the, the fact that they just managed to film that and it looks great. Is, doesn't that? I mean, doesn't that seem like they just happened to be there and they were yeah. like, okay, let's do something with these cranes yeah. because those cranes, like, there are a few of those on campus at UCF who just like chill there. Yeah, and yeah. sometimes they like they'll fuck you up if if you're not careful. Like the, the we see these cranes around town. We've all, all the time. been attacked by cranes before. But the thing is, is they're Every day. they're an endangered species, so I'm sure that it wasn't easy for them to you know get the permission to shoot yeah. them i feel like they probably just wandered on set yeah, that's like, what i'm saying yeah. they just like showed up and it was like well uh let's let's turn the camera on yeah. Defoe, go 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 say some stuff yeah exactly <laughs> and that's the i feel like this movie is full of that it's full of just the camera just happened to be on mm-hmm. they just happened to record at the perfect yeah. moment to catch these really perfect moments it's, it's it's too fucking real dude it's it's incredible it's mm. such a good film i i really really loved it i have some issues with the very very end yes um i think that i know what sean baker is trying to do with the ending he's trying to give these characters an ending that they wouldn't have in real life because mm-hmm. this is a movie and he wants to give them that movie ending because they're people in very horrible circumstances, yeah. but it's it's also like you know what happens after that, though. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's, yeah, but it's it's tough. It's tough. It, it puts you in a really tough spot because you want to be happy and you want to feel like this is a, a a hopeful movie that is I happy, but it's just I mean, like I, you can't really put yourself in that place. I don't. I the more I think about it, I liked it more than that though, just mm. because he's not. He knows we're not dumb. He knows we're not like, oh, whoa, okay, good, good ending. We know 
after the ending, we know exactly what's going yeah. to happen to this girl. Yeah, and that's why I, I think I disagree a little bit with your taker. It's just because I love that moment where it breaks into... It's in a movie that's been so realistic and so organic the entire time. The ending is meant to be taken as fantastical. Yeah. And it's meant to be taken as their they, dream. I mean, they go to the literal imagined. embodiment of fantastical. Yeah, yeah like, like it's... <laughs> it's And I loved that sentiment so much. I was like... I was sobbing as it rolled to credits just because this yeah. movie just it affected me on such it, a visceral way. I, it's going to be in my top five. Yeah, so well, I want well, yeah, we'll, to save some we'll of my talk thoughts about it for more. it. But. What is your number six, Drew? The Shape of Water. Yeah. Okay. Um, GDT, probably his best movie since uh, Pan's Labyrinth. I think I still like Pan's Labyrinth more a little yeah. bit. This movie is unbelievably crafted. The technical aspects of this movie are, are just are flawless. The set design is my favorite of the year. It's fucking beautiful. It's mm-hmm. like it's like Bioshock. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. It's like steampunky and so many beautiful greens and blues. Um, it's just to look at it is stunning. It gives real meaning to the phrase every frame of painting. The the YouTube channel the, phrase every the frame opening of shot is practical. Oh my god. Really? That wow. is yeah, they hung up all the furniture to make it look like it was floating in water and then filled the set with Fuck fog me. and lights. Oh my god. That yeah. is, that's oh that's my what I'm saying. This is this is a masterwork. Like pra- he is a he's a genius. And um, he made it on a budget. The the budget <laughs> for this film is less than 20 million dollars. Wow. That's insane. So I I don't understand. So that level is completely maxed out for me. The performances in this movie are incredible. Michael Shannon oh, he's oh. so disgusting. He's so slimy. <laughs> I just I he's, love it. He is a and he's also I mean he's three-dimensional. We see his character as a guy who has been fed this American dream. He that, wants the car. Yeah, that everyone was fed back then and still is to a certain extent. But he's been fed this dream and he He's just still so f- completely unhappy, even though he has the two kids and the wife, and he's just a bitter, bitter man, and you really feel him. Michael Shannon is a terrific actor who cannot be a leading man because his face is just... He looks like that. But he, I'm sure he loves doing these roles. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, I mean, mm. that's a dream role for any actor. Like, that's just so... F- I'm sure it was fun, even though it was horrible. Um, and then Sally Hawkins is, is just uh, beautiful. Her performance is just... It's so elegant. It is like it is. I can't imagine. It's it's hard to act. Period. To act without words. Yeah. <laughs> like shit, man. I feel like that's just what makes her performance almost underrated. Yeah. I know she's gonna be nominated for best actress and everything else, but like, it's just so so difficult to just be able to do all of your acting without saying a word with just the emotions yeah. that you show on your face and she nails it she really does and then the what's the name of the uh her, her gay friend uh, R- richard, richard jenkins Rich, yeah his perform yeah he had, i mean he had the most uh heartfelt performance yeah. in the movie where it's just like i, I love I him feel for he's this so, guy he's one of the best actors he is, alive yeah so and, talented and his character is very well th- he's just a guy that's just living in the wrong year to be who he is um, and he's just so, so lonely and so uh, melancholy the whole movie. Like, he's a good guy, but he's just sad. Um, the the characters are very well thought out in this movie. So the only issue I could point out is uh, story structuring. Uh, I th- think, first off, we didn't get enough screen time between Sally Hawkins and Fishman to 
really buy into the like head over heels falling in love. Yeah. To us, it was essentially she teaches him two words and then they they want to fuck. Yeah, and he doesn't he doesn't speak either, so it's like. I just I I just think we could have used a little bit more on that front. I would have I would have dealt with a longer movie if we had five more minutes of an actual love story instead of an implied love story. Yeah. It's very implied. It's just little like, little r- less Russian espionage, little more fish boning. Almost almost yeah. I think maybe maybe that's a good uh, balance that could have been done though. The Russian espionage stuff was pretty cool. Michael Stuhlbarg again. Michael Stuhlbarg was. I I see I I love that whole scenario because it turns a classic trope that we've had in movies and society about the bad evil Russian and it turns it on its head a little bit yeah, where he's the good Russian yeah that movie does that all over it really does it turns so many tropes on themselves and I almost took it as these scenes where she was visiting visiting fishman as a montage of time passing mm-hmm. i think this whole story takes place over the course of like when they're in the facility over about two weeks or yeah, so no that's what i'm saying there is a you're like you're led to believe that there's more but we don't see it i wanted to see more okay yeah that's fair. um but i another small issue is that uh octavia spencer's character she does a great job i think she has a lot of lines but they're not uh, impactful. I think sometimes, even though it is a a period where obviously there's a lot of oppression of black people still yeah. and and gay people, uh, a lot of her lines are just kind of like classic jukebox like black woman lines. Yeah, and eventually you're she's just... meant to be a little bit of an audience surrogate type yeah, character. Yeah, exactly. Her, but yet like, she's it, she's supposed to say the things that like you're thinking as the audience of like things that are happening to Sally Hawkins' character. But she's not surprised at all by the fish boning. She's like, oh, that good, good for that you. That actually was weird to me. Yeah, yeah. she's like, oh, you, what you she, fucked him? How does that okay. work? <laughs> and then we have the the great like. Yeah, <laughs> that was funny. But yeah, just the, she just completely is like, oh, yeah. oh, you fucked him. <laughs> If she was truly the audience surrogate, she should have been like, yo, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't yeah. know what he's um been yeah. where he's been. So yeah, there were just yeah, there were a few buy-in issues where that kind of took me a little bit out of it. And pacing wise, it could have taken its time with some things and then taken less time with other things. I do agree with that. I wanted to go back to the romance a couple times that it was on Michael Shannon and on the Russian yeah. stuff. Maybe but that's just a tweak of like five minutes would have done so much for me. Five I, or ten minutes. I could have I would have loved to have seen this as like a series, maybe like a mm. longer story that yeah. dives deeper into all because there's so many subplots going on. Like yeah, there's spend a lot. more time with really like each mm. character. Exactly. Give us like a substantial amount of time in the lab and then once they're out of the lab, a substantial amount of time out of the lab. Yeah. Um so those yeah, those are my only issues. Sometimes it feels rushed sometimes Sometimes it feels like let's get back to the yeah. part that you were rushing. Um, but overall, I mean, wow. Like I, I just I fucking love this movie. It's it's really original. It's fucking beautiful to yeah. look at. Like I can't say that enough. There the little sequence where she's on the bus and the two droplets of water do this little dance and they become one. Like yeah. it's just it's a masterwork. It's it, it really is. It is unbelievable. Just, it's ser- some like if if a director, if cute I guess Kubrick was alive not too long ago, but if like you know Hitchcock or someone from way back when could see that, they'd be like, "That's that's what you should be doing with that yeah. fucking camera, bro." Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's just beautiful. All right, Hunter, number six. Um, my number six is Good Time. Nice. Um, this Whoa, is another that's movie. Pretty high up. I love this movie. This movie was a fucking thrill ride for me. Like, I again, this was a movie that 
I hadn't even like really heard about, and then suddenly it started making a bunch of critics top ten lists, and I was like, uh, you know, I'll check it out. Like I guess Robert, Robert Pattinson, Pattinson. Like never heard of the Softy Brothers before. Let me tell you what the Softy <laughs> Brothers are fucking going places after seeing this movie. Like. My God, Josh and Ben Safdie. Um, ben Safdie, uh, I guess you could say co-stars in this movie as uh, mentally uh, as Robert Pattinson's mentally disabled brother. Um, and it basically follows a bank robbery that went horribly wrong. And then Robert Pattinson's actions to try and rectify the events that happened. Um, and Robert Pattinson he disappears in this role. Like it is unrecognizable. Robert Pattinson is a good actor. He is so sleazy, but yet despicable. He is despicable. He is a pathological liar, but yet he does everything that he does for his brother. And so it's almost like you can sympathize with him in the worst kind of a way. Um, There are some really disturbing moments in this movie that I love. One of them being with a security guard that there are just certain scenes and images that are like burned into my skull. Cool little uh, uh, performance by Bakhar Apti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Captain yeah. Phillips. Fame. Yeah, Captain Phillips. Yeah, I'm He's the captain now. Getting he, some work. He plays Captain Phillips. Yeah, <laughs> that old guy. Yeah. I'm the security god now. <laughs> oh, um, there, there are some absolutely shocking moments in this film. Yeah, like moments like, that I was like screaming because. Yeah, there are just <laughs> I really want on. to. Drew, I want you to watch this so we can have a spoilery discussion because there are so many turns that are so out of left field that you're like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, the score in this movie is unbelievable. Like, it's so good. The, so driving. The electronic. It's, yeah. and it's, it, I think that it's up there. Um, I believe a friend of the pod, uh, Colin, Thomas. said it. Oh. Um no, Thomas recommended the score a oh, while Thomas back. Oh, Thomas did. Oh no, I was gonna say, uh, Colin really put it up there with like movies like uh, Drive for being that kind of neony like mm. uh, heist thief thievery yeah. movie that are some of the best movies that we've had over the last decade. And I think that Good Time really belongs up there with those movies. I want to I want to draw another quick comparison to Mother because this is a film that like Mother uses heavy heavy close-ups, like mm. mostly oh, yeah. close-ups and then when it goes to a wide, it's like so effective and it just feels all the more impactful when you do get that wide because you're just like wrapped up like very closely with the Pattinson character. That- mm. That's that's why I can tell like the Safdie brothers are going places because not only is this an awesome script um, that's written by uh, uh, Josh Safdie, but the direction is so it, it envelops you and it makes you so glued to the TV or the theater. If you were lucky enough to see this in a theater that it wraps you up in everything that you're watching and you are just mesmerized by it and you're on the edge of your seat. Really? It's, it's a movie similar to Dunkirk where I was, I was on the edge of my seat for pretty much this entire film. Like yeah. there isn't really much downtime. You're really entertained as to find out how this character is going to get out of it. Like, like he puts himself in a situation where you're just like, okay, he's fucked. It's over. Like there's no getting out of this. And he somehow finds a way and you mm. just keep seeing you're, you're just so wrapped up in it. Like, how is he going to get out of this one? And yeah. And things just, they're keep getting roadblocks in this movie, like roadblock yeah. after roadblock. And he's so conniving and manipulative that he always finds a way to move on to the next it's possible path. So like, entertaining. It's, 
and it it made me coin um what has been uh now labeled as the best tweet of our generation a tweet uh, that I made um <laughs> you guys ready for it yeah good time more like great time Aye. what. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Hashtag. Oh, I'm sorry. My number oh, one right. movie of the year is Hunter's tweet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I've gone up about. I think I'm at 10 billion followers now. So <laughs> yeah, more, more than there are people. All right, yeah. it's well, mostly Russian bots. Yeah. But. On that note, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we get back, we're gonna give you our top five. Whoop, whoop, whoop. You'll be right back. this morning mm -hmm. and we have this big field next to our house and Anubis just decided to take a giant shit in the middle of it so naturally I just turned away and let him do his thing but then a plane flew over because we live next to an airport and then the plane took a shit on, on Anubis and me oh it was just a ginormous plane shit, shit. Like, I mean, plane like, shits are usually pretty big. Yeah, like, so it, it was about Anubis sized. No, that, no. You it know, was like five times the size of that. Anubis is going through an adolescent phase that I hate because now he eats cat shit. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, he's done it twice. Pretty now. soon he's just going to eat cats. I've been yeah. shitting my pants this entire time we've been recording. If you guys have been wondering what No, yeah, we know. Is. I know. Yeah. Okay. And we're back. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Here we go with our final bit of our whole list extravaganza listomania with our top five movies of 2017 here we go my number five is dunkirk okay really high yeah okay i just i cannot forget seeing this movie in imax like it's it was a an experience it mm -hmm. fucking hits you like it's it, it, it nolan wasn't concerned with telling a conventional story with this film we've we've seen world war ii movies out the wazoo in in our time like it's been done we've seen it he wanted to give us something new something that we hadn't seen before and he fucking nailed it like this is a movie that was meant to be seen on the largest loudest screen mm -hmm. uh this is a man who is at the top of his game. Like he's made some of the best movies of the decade of recent years. Like he knows what he's doing and you can tell that he wanted to go big with this and he wanted to just put you in the feeling of war. The, Dunkirk does what few war movies do, which is make you feel just the claustrophobia, the intense paranoia and, and fear of being in battle and being helpless in battle. Yeah. And this is something that this movie just did really, really well. And it takes full advantage of the cinema experience of just the fact that you go into a room, you turn your phone off and you just stare at a screen for two hours and yeah. you're just absolutely absorbed by yeah. it. I mean, this is a movie that he went to the fullest lengths to like make it exactly how he wanted. Like he used film. He like I like I told you guys, he fucking 
sunk an IMAX camera in the ocean to get multiple a sh- to cameras. get yeah to get a shot to get like one shot. He ruined a shit ton of cameras like he, making yeah, this. I'm sure this this movie was Nolan being uncompromising, being like, no, this is exactly what I'm going to make. Um, and it definitely like it's it's a great movie. Yeah, I really really enjoyed it. I saw it twice. We we saw it in 70 millimeter film and then on the full size IMAX yeah. and. I think seeing it in full-size IMAX was what made it so high up on my list because of that full-on just immersive experience. You know, this is this is the type of thing that no one can really do. Like, Nolan is the guy. He is the one who knows the craft and knows how to use cinema to his advantage mm-hmm. and, and is able to do exactly what he wants and i loved it i thought this was a great great film yeah all right what is your number five drew number five call me by your name oh uh, yeah this i just i loved this movie it was like i was just telling hunter i had never seen a uh like a real like taboo movie like this is a you know a homosexual movie in theaters before and it was very interesting because i could feel the tension of the people around me um, the the girl next to me was just like squirming the whole <laughs> during the whole first uh, sex scene, but this movie is great in that it transcends being just like a gay story. It is a love story. You don't. It's just the kind of movie that makes you. F- you don't. You don't even think about the fact they're gay hardly because it's not really what the movie's about. It's just about a love between these two people. And past that scene, there was no tension anymore. It was just everyone was on the same page. Like we just care about these characters. Yeah. Um. I love more naturalistic movies like this because um, if you're going by the books with a kind of mechanical story, you're going to get something more like The Post, which has all the notes of a story. It has like of the Joseph Campbell story structure. It has all that stuff in it's it. It's mechanical almost. Yeah. This movie, it gives you all the feelings that that movie would give you, but without trying so hard, without you seeing it being happening in front of you. Yeah. Uh, this movie just has a high emotional intelligence to it. Um, and on top of that, it is stunningly beautiful. It's visually, honestly, honestly, it really, it really is it's like genuinely. It's, it's that whole every frame of painting thing. It it's really, yeah, gorgeous. it is. It just, it, it's the way it portrays Italy. It's just like I wanted to like get on a fucking plane and go there. I've never really, you know, I've been like, oh, the Colosseum. No, I want to go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I want to be a rich teenager in Italy <laughs> so just bad. Swimming and going yeah, on bike just, rides. Yeah, it just made that life. It really is like a dream movie. I read a good point, which is that it's it's kind of a fantasy movie because of a all that stuff, which that some people do live life like that. But for most of us, it is a fantasy to be like, what if I was just a rich teenager yeah. living on the Italian countryside in a fucking mansion? But in addition to that, it plays with the fantasy of what if that forbidden love that we all have, the older person who would just never even know our name, what if they reciprocated, you mm-hmm. know? So it's it's a fantasy movie in that respect because it's like a, a wish granted type well, of thing. Well, Timothy Chalamet's character isn't just discovering his homosexuality. I mean, he's not even full on homosexual. No, yeah, he's, he's bisexual. Like, he's bisexual. So At least. He's discovering sex overall like he's yeah, he's losing his virginity he's coming just, to terms with like that side of of growing up and it's yeah. it's just really really a, I, th- I can think of three distinct classifications of thing that he has sex with in this yes movie. yes quite <laughs> um all right drew or hunter what is your number five um my number five uh drew you just talked about it is the shape of water um 
I I fucking love this movie. Like, this is a movie that affected me very viscerally, um, just because it, um, it really just kind of defines that love isn't necessarily it, it doesn't just exist between a man or a woman, um, but it really can exist posi- exist between anyone. Um, this was we were talking about original takes on classic things. This is our original take on. A fairy tale story where this is basically following a mute princess who finds love in a place where nobody would expect it with Fishman. Um, with Fishman. Technically, Amphibious Man, played by Doug Jones. And by the way, his makeup is unbelievable. Like, that's that's makeup that he's under. Like, they, they CGI a little bit with the eyes and stuff like that. But the fact that this movie isn't even in consideration for the best makeup category at the Oscars, and Bright is, is a fucking <laughs> abomination. Because I guess it's because there's only one character that has, like, all out, like, that type of deal going yeah. on, maybe. I guess so, but but I mean, does I guess does makeup would Michael Shannon's finger count as makeup? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that, that was very impressive. That's, no. That yeah. was very very good. I mean, we've already talked about it's it disgusting. a little bit, but <laughs> it's fucking I think, gross, dude. <laughs> I think uh, Guillermo del Toro deserves best directing. Um, yes, this I would year. be very the happy. win. I yeah. I would be extremely happy yeah. with a win by him because there are a few people that I would be happy if they won. Um, well, also it would just make sense for Guillermo because he's never won an mm. Oscar before, so he has the overdue director thing going for him, and he's one of the three uh, Mexican filmmakers and the only one who hasn't won uh, an Oscar Quaron, between Cuarón and and Inarritu. Who are also like the three of the best Mexican they're, filmmakers they're all of all time, too. and they're, they're all the buddies. best filmmakers of all time. <laughs> yeah, like, really, like especially for like recent memories. Yeah, like, in the past decade, they're all like in the top ten. Um, but yeah, I just I fucking love this movie. I want Richard Jenkins to just like narrate my life because <laughs> he's so his voice is just so perfect. It and really soothing. is, and he really almost plays. Guillermo in a lot of ways in this movie he has a tortured uh, artist yeah he has this whole conversation which some people don't like um shout out to Snyder fuck you Snyder um he said that he did not like the conversation that Richard Jenkins has with the amphibious man character which I I loved I love that whole scene he talks about a conversation yeah well it's not really it's kind of a (laughs) one-sided conversation because fish man can't exactly talk but I just found that whole scene very touching. I found so many shots in this movie just beautiful. There's um, a shot that's in the trailer where um, the fish man is standing in an empty theater just looking up at the screen. And, like, I remember seeing that in the theater and just thinking, like, this is why I love movies. And there are just so many moments like that where you can tell Guillermo just really cares about the art of filmmaking. And he's trying to preserve that art. And even if I haven't, like, loved some of his movies in recent years, um, I just, I appreciate that he's still willing to take risks, and this is a movie that really just, I, I just loved it. I thought it was such a beautiful love story that it transcends monster movie or all of these other uh, tropes and genres that you can kind of put pieces of it from. Okay. That is The Shape of Water. Now we get to our number fours. My number four is War for the Planet of the Apes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I know that you're a big ape boy. didn't even make my top boy. 20. Yeah, dude. I saw this movie twice. 
Uh, first time I loved it, loved it, loved it. But I wanted to see it a second time just to make sure that it was that good. And it fucking was. This movie <laughs> is so damn good. It's not only the conclusion to one of the best trilogies of recent memory. Like this, this trilogy is up there with Star Wars, The Lord of the Rings, Back to the Future as just being like just some good fucking storytelling. The the story of Caesar going from um, little uh, lab experiment to uh, tribal leader to legend is unbelievably good. Andy Serkin's performance is going to be completely overlooked for awards, and it's the one of the best performances of the year. Mm-hmm. He's so good as Caesar. You don't see an ape you connect with this ape as a human like yeah. he transcends the 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 CGI and all that no like cap. he you you just see a person in this ape it's unbelievable everything from the CGI to the epic epic story that with these characters go on this isn't the the war is not an actual war of battle this is a war for Caesar's soul this is a, a, a an ape, a person who is battling with his own humanity. Isn't that crazy to say? An ape who is battling with his humanity. He is mm. he is out for revenge. He is out for blood, and he is going up against everything that he is teaching to his followers and to his people, all because of a thirst for vengeance. It's unbelievably incredible, and I cannot say enough good things about this movie it's going to be completely overlooked for all awards and it's everything that big cinema should be it is a big epic summer blockbuster with really just great amazing gravitas this this is one of the best movie movies of the year where it's not like deconstructing it is big like it's an action epic type deal and it's also good it's one of the best movies of that nature of the year i would say yeah and and just the story itself i mean i value story over everything and this is the conclusion to an amazing amazing story and you just get satisfaction all around i mean i know that hunter you've spoken a little badly about the ending and i i kind of like the ending because it's you you say it's ex machina, Deus ex machina, but it's really kind of beautiful how it just comes down to nature being the the winner in all this. Yeah, it's like you you know you. It's crazy how the humans in this film are not the ones that you're rooting for at all. Oh no, yeah, that's that's <laughs> one of the most impressive things about it is that you really are rooting against humans this entire movie. And the the, the fact that they they nail that is unbelievable. I I love this movie. I can't wait to watch it again. I think it's amazing. Is it your favorite of the trilogy? Yeah, I do love the other two a lot, but they're all very different. Like, oh yeah, definitely. Rise and Dawn are both very different films. I, I think Rise just tells a really good story about companionship uh, and just the the connection that a man can have to a pet. Um, but it it takes a whole nother turn towards the end of that film. I mean, when Caesar speaks for the first time, I it's one of the best yeah. moments in in, in <gasps> cinema. Like it's amazing. And then Dawn is a story about just two opposing societies, two two you know 
people, two different types of people with different ideologies trying so hard to live in the same space and in the same world and just struggling with just existing alongside each other. But war is all about the humanity of this character and the soul of Caesar and his own inner struggle with himself and what he's trying to live for. It's it's amazing. I love this movie. Good movie. All right, you're number four, Drew. Get out. Hey. First mention of it, so you guys are going to have it higher or a number four for Hunter, but... Uh, or it might not have made the cut. <laughs> <laughs> Had to make room for uh, Justice League somewhere yeah, in there. That's true. You gotta you gotta make choices. You know, uh, this is an unbelievable debut for Jordan Peele, um, who I was already a giant fan of. I you, the thing I geek out over more than anything is comedy. So I've seen numerous interviews with him and Keegan. You definitely get the sense that he is the Rain Man of the two, where he is not as charismatic as Keegan. Keegan's got all the energy in interviews. He's got all the spunk, and that's why he's in everything. Uh, Jordan just has the brains. He's a brilliant, brilliant guy. Um, and he said in interviews, he had always obsessively looked at movies um, you know, piece by piece. And with comedy, what he did was like not just look at it. He wrote down exactly how to do it, and he figured it out. So to make this movie, he just did the same thing with movies. He watched horror movies and he figured out how they did it. And he did his own take on it. And the result is one of the most original movies I've ever seen in my life. Um, it plays with something that I, I just genuinely love, which is the hair-raising, uh, like, terrifyingness of social interactions with people. Um, and when even when it's something that I can obviously cannot empathize with, not being a black you still understand exactly the, what he's feeling. You still feel what he's feeling. Um, if you, a lot of that credit is due to Daniel Kaluuya's performance too. Yeah, he does. He does a really, really, really great job. Um, and all the um, the entire uh, Armitage family does a good job of being scary. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the movie just does a great job of turning. I almost wish it would have been a bad move money wise but i almost wish it wasn't marketed as a horror movie because the premise is could very easily just be a straight comedy movie like a, a black guy has to deal with a bunch of white people that would be just like a funny movie um so imagine if you didn't see on the poster his giant eyes like yeah. crying and you just go into it and then you're like oh, what the fuck is going on right now because the turn it takes is that type of turn yeah. where you like it? It seems pretty standard, and then it's like, what is going on right now? <laughs> and it, it's another. It's a movie that really does well to watch it multiple times because there's a lot of very subtle symbolism mm -hmm. everywhere. If you really just look for the it. the second time, once you know how the movie plays yeah, out, that, you can see the attention to detail so much that Jordan Peele had in crafting the story is yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, and I, I it's it's another movie. It, it has a great emotional intelligence to it because it it doesn't rely on on gore or blood or even that many jump scares to scare you it scares you with things that are closer to real life um, social constructs yeah things things, like things that we are familiar with mm -hmm. um and if you you know if you read you can just read a few articles and you'll be <laughs> you know more well spoken on what this guy is struggling with in this movie um and they they personify it in a very interesting way with the hypnosis um and the sunken place i thought that was incredible um and all the acting of the the people who were in the sunken place, like acting as like kind of brainwashed people, so bone chilling. Yeah. So the guy in Atlanta, I don't remember his name, um, um, but it's it's just it's terrifying to look at. 
um, his the deadness behind his eyes, and then when he's you know um, when the main character like finally connects with them, and it's like oh shit. Um, the reason it's not what 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 is she doing? <laughs> She's picking up trash. Oh, nice. Thanks, Lee. <laughs> um, the reason it's not number one on my list because my top four it's kind of Razor's Edge. Uh, I kind of thought. I've said this before, but the comedy was worse than the scary parts. I thought some of the comic scenes were not particularly uh, funny. They were just kind of almost like obligatory, and they were they were funny juxtaposed with everything that was happening because it was just it was just it's an interesting tone to strike where you see like the scariest shit ever, and then you see like a, a pretty funny scene, and not like it where it's like kind of schlocky on both ends. Um, but I just thought some of the humor, I was expecting more because it's Jordan fucking Peele. So I was thinking, I was thinking it'll be, I I wasn't expecting the strongest point of the film to be everything but the humor, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, which is surprising for coming off of Key and Peele. Yeah, exactly. And just being, yeah, just being a a comedy guy. He's been in comedy forever. But with that said, this movie is really, really good, obviously timely, uh, and it, it, I'm excited to see him make other movies in this little subgenre that he's created for yeah, himself. Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah, and for other people to not steal, but you know, film most films are based on other films. There are going to be other movies that are deal with this type of shit now, which I love. I, I mean, you know, if my love of Nathan for you shows anything, it shows that like I love the playing with social constructs, the playing with like just micro Norm- interaction yeah just yeah. normal little little things and interactions that are like what, the, what that was scary what yeah. was that? why did that make my hair on my arm stand up so yeah that's that's get out N- number four what is your number four hunter um my number four is the florida project um hell yeah sean baker joint um of course made tangerine which tangerine i liked but uh it didn't affect me in the same way as the florida project did the florida project it Guys, like this movie, like really touched me on an emotional level. Um, it's just such a beautiful film. Like you said, everything feels so organic and so natural that it it seems impossible. <laughs> it, yeah, it really does seem impossible. There are some of the best shots in any movie that we've seen this year. We, of course, uh, Willem Dafoe smoking a cigarette out on the porch. Whenever yeah. in that perfect pink sky and suddenly he lights up the cigarette and all the lights from the motel turn on. Like it's it makes just, it makes Orlando look really vibrant and beautiful. It makes, <laughs> it makes a shitty section of it makes Kissimmee look good. Yeah. No, like it literally and that's the whole point of the movie is that it makes this very poor, very bleak lifestyle look Hopeful beautiful and, and joyful yeah. and that's why i love the ending so much is because it kind of wraps up that whole hopeful tone of the film there are also um just some amazing uh very touching scenes where you of course have um some of uh brooklyn prince's friends like leaving this shitty motel moving on with their life and just really touching scenes about having to leave like toys behind but I think the thing that I appreciate most about this movie is that it's really shot from the perspective of a child. That you really feel 
every uh, like every scene will just move on seamlessly to a scene that has a totally different tone and it's almost like you're viewing it from the mind of a child where everything it all just seems like you're getting bits and pieces of different stories that are all kind of coming together to create her life and i thought that was a very interesting uh story interesting way to tell the story by Sean Baker and i think that worked so beautifully yeah um my number three now is get out nice yep uh drew you just spoke about it and i echo a lot of your same thoughts i think this movie you know it came out almost a year ago and Mm -hmm. we're still talking about it yeah and it's still resonating and we're still living on this fucking earth yeah and (laughs) this this movie it really very strongly ticks that box that i spoke about earlier with it does it resonate uh, in terms of our society, in terms of the world that we live in. And I think this is the number one movie in terms of making an impact on culture. This is a movie of its time, and it's a movie that will stand the test of time, I'm sure, because it has embedded itself in popular culture mm-hmm. and, and it's, you know, with our internet culture, with memes and all that, it, it's it's embraced all that and it lends itself to multiple viewings mm-hmm. and it's fun. Oh, seeing this movie in a packed theater is an unforgettable experience. I will never forget seeing this yeah. movie for the first time mm-hmm. because it, it just, people were cheering, they were screaming, they were like <laughs> so into it. It nice. was insane. Yeah. yeah. I, we- I was also just thinking we we live in a time where uh, the phrase dog whistling has come to mean a lot, and the entire first act of this movie is all dog whistling, dog, yeah. which is essentially very subtly hinting at racism. But when you really think about it, it's like, can you not see that you're making this person so uncomfortable? We live in a time where that is happening a lot at the highest level of office. Oh you yeah. Know? Oh where, yeah. Where it's. It's he just because they're not coming out and saying I'm a fucking racist does not mean that everything that they're doing is dripping with racism. That's right. what this movie is about. It's about how all the subtle things. It's like it's it's like if this guy was staying at his um his girlfriend's parents' place and he had a nightmare. That's yeah. what the nightmare would be. And this this movie is full of incredible performances. I mean, Bradley Whitford is creepy as fuck as the dad, and Allison Williams is the um. Uh, girlfriend Catherine Keener as the mom Caleb Landry Jones as the brother Uh, so many just great performances here that create this ambiance of discomfort in what should be a very welcoming home I I think it speaks volumes that uh, Jordan Peele chose to set this in a liberal household oh yeah and I love that not a conservative traditional I mean it just it would have been too easy if they were all like like super like yeah Yeah. like had confederate flags or whatever exactly like no this this permeates a lot of our society yeah and it 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 just it really gets under your skin and it's a movie that is going to inspire a whole bunch of new filmmakers and it's an unbelievably amazing debut from Jordan Peele. I really, really fucking hope he gets some love at the Oscars. Mm-hmm. If Get Out wins Best Picture, I'll be the happiest man in the world. I, I <laughs> will not... It'll be incredible. It'll be the greatest achievement of our time. Amazing, amazing film and I'm sure it'll keep returning to the, the, to the film lexicon for years to come. So what is your number three, Drew? The Florida Project. Great. 
Um, I just saw this very recently, and it completely exceeded my expectations. I love movies like this. Again, I compared it kind of to Call Me By Your Name and its naturalism, where it's not ticking all the boxes that you'd expect. But this one takes that to an extreme. It is so natural that I... I, if Willem Dafoe weren't in this movie, I would just think it was a documentary. <laughs> it's it's just fucking insane. Um, I said her name earlier. The the mother in it is the. It's some of the like I just you know these people. We I mean maybe just because we live here, but I feel like anywhere you're gonna get these trashier people, and it's just all these characters just breathe with reality. Like I don't know where like Sean Baker where he's from. But he has to know people like this to be able to write this richly. He spent a lot of time here just kind of getting to know the area and the people here. Yeah, I mean, uh, cinematography-wise, it's fucking gorgeous. Uh, it it makes one strip of Kissimmee look like it is a fantasy wonderland because that's what it is for these children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it gets early childhood perfectly right, which is such a hard thing to do. So many people do not do that very well. And it doesn't do it in like a saccharine, very sweet way like Pixar would do. It just does it in the way of like bad. When you're a kid, bad things are happening around you, but they just kind of don't directly affect you necessarily. So the entire movie, her name's Brooklyn Prince, right? The little girl. She is. She's just floating in these. Things are just getting worse and worse for her life, and she doesn't even know it. And the adults around her are doing what they can to shield her from it because yeah, no. that's what that's what you know yeah. people do to children they don't want to expose them to exactly. all the horrors yeah like willem dafoe v- cares very much for her um and her mom even who is not a sympathetic character the the bit of sympathy that you get for her character is because she tries to give her daughter a good time not a good life but a good time yeah and that's the thing i, I forgot to mention that earlier that uh that her mother she is objectively a terrible mother terrible but yeah. you can tell that she really does love her child exactly and she's trying to and, do and it just makes it the so best tr- that she can to provide so tragic for her. because you know at the end of the day she, it's not going to go well if she gets to keep this kid yeah, yeah. Um, and you want to get the chil- the the children and and her Mooney out of the situation. Yeah, because even though this mother really does love her child, she is endangering her by keeping her mm-hmm. in these and that, horrible circumstances. Yeah, and it just it it escalates toward the end, where even though it's not like a a box checking story, you do get an escalation of events with the mother, where she ends up you know assaulting the her old friend. And then, you know, eventually it, it comes to what you would think would happen in this situation. It's yeah. very, very believable. Also, I really think that Willem Dafoe deserves a lot of recognition for his performance. It's so nuanced and different for him. He's never very really different. done a role like this before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would love it if he got a nomination and maybe won. Yeah. And his character is incredibly well written because he's just a good guy in a completely thankless position. Yeah. yeah. Living a thankless life. And you can really feel and, that. And you, the the little bit of backstory you get for his character is so tragic with his son. Oh, wait. Again, Caleb Landry Jones. Huge yeah. <laughs> year. Shout out to Caleb Landry Jones. He was in Get Out, Twin Florida Peaks. Project, Twin Peaks, uh, Three Billboards. Yeah. He's just yeah. had a ton of work yeah. this he year. Has, he, all he has is one scene, and you get this entire picture of, man, this And it's all you need. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're just like, this guy's life is just thankless. And I love how the movie didn't need that wo- the moment that every other movie has. It's like the big dramatic gesture where the father figure just really comes through and does yeah. a heroic thing. And, and for it didn't it. have a long... It had no monologue for Defoe. It was almost 
almost a thankless role in that respect, even though he did perfectly in it. But there was no big movie thing where he was like, you know what happened with me and my wife? Like he yeah. talks to the, the, the mom of Brooklyn or whatever. There's just none of that. It's just all subtle. The most that we get of that is the pedophile scene, which is mm. so good. It's so, one of the best scenes yeah. of the year. It's so gripping <laughs> oh, watching it, that scene. It really is because you get a sick feeling in your stomach for just a moment and then he comes in and you're like, God, this guy is just so good and yeah. he just gets no... It's, it's almost like they just found a pedophile <laughs> in, here in Orlando. Somebody arrest that man. That man <laughs> yeah. definitely touches Yeah, that guy's cause. a pedophile. Like it's it was just it was it was just perfect. Um and then the entire movie she is just completely separated from what's happening. It's not affecting her at all. Even though it's like right in front of her, she just finds a way to always be chipper, always she's invincible, she's bulletproof. So that makes the end of the movie it it rips your fucking heart out. Like yeah. it just destroyed me at the very end. And then the very very end, the last scene is at first, I agreed with you, Ernest, where I was like, "Where? what's he doing with this? Like, where's... It's so jarring. It is. It, <laughs> it was is very jarring. jarring, and I was jarred, and it did kind of take away from the emotions I was feeling from the scene very prior to that. But upon thinking about it, it does make a lot of sense, just in that he's trusting our intelligence to know that it's not actually a happy ending. It's mm-hmm. just, it's just kind of like, <laughs> it's a happy moment right before a very sad ending. Yeah. Um, And you just... The, but the scene before that, like, whew, just an entire movie of seeing this girl just be happy and fine no matter what's happening. It's all building up to, like... Y- and y- great acting. Yeah, exactly. She does such a good job. The yeah. camera's right in her face. It's such a close yeah. close-up. And she does an incredible job. And it's just... There's such an incredible build-up. You don't even see the build-up because it's not following any structure. But it was truly all building to that moment where it's finally finally showing that she is being affected by her mom's horrible decisions. Do you guys think this movie is going to get nominated for best picture? I, I don't know if it will. I really hope that it does. Though. Yeah. I I'd think be, I'd be very, really happy with that. It's a just, very just the nomination. Yeah. Just give it a nomination. Yeah. Same. That's, I feel the same way with Willem Dafoe. I don't think that he's going to win because in reality he doesn't get a ton of screen time, but he just kills it with every second that he is on the screen. Um, Another thing, like, uh, we were mentioning earlier whenever I think that you brought it up, that uh, everything just feels so natural that you're like, did they just leave the camera on? I know um, the last scene that we get uh, with uh, Brooklyn Prince and her mother where they're in the – they sneak into a hotel and they're, like, eating from the free breakfast area or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's a – I know that – Sean Baker basically just put a camera on her and just recorded her just talking for like 15, 20 minutes. Improv. And that's how it was just like literally just all shit that kids say. Yeah. Like, yeah. Was, and her mom was just, just like so staring back yeah. at her. And it, that, that scene did have such a tragic feel to it, it also did. because yeah. it was, it, truly, it was going. Yeah. It was, it was basically a last meal scene oh. without the death. You know oh what I mean? Oh my God. It's like it was the last wish granted for this kid and you know where it's going right after this. You know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Oof. Um, so yeah, it's it's a movie that gets at your emotions and has a great build to it without you being able to see any structure at all. Which is, I from a writing perspective, I can't imagine how hard that is to do. Yeah. Like, and these characters breathe so well that I just, I I'm going to go see Tangerine though. Like, I, yeah, <laughs> I hats off to Sean Baker. All right, Hunter, what um, is your number three? I uh, I forgot to mention it uh, whenever I talked about the Floor Project. Uh, this is like my highest tier that I have for movies. Four through one 
could change for me on any given day. The like, best film. These Same. are these are my four favorite movies of the year. Like just the four best that I could really, if I think about one or the other, I can make a case for any one of them for being the best movie of the year. But uh, my number three, I have Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Mm. Um, uh, it's Denis Villeneuve, his follow up to Arrival. I this is one of the best sequels ever of all time. Like, I really think that this is a movie that's better than the original. It's better than Blade Runner, which is already known for being a great cult classic. I love the original Blade Runner, but 2049 takes some of the best noir elements of Blade Runner and elevates them. Um, Ryan Gosling is unbelievable and just the perfect casting for this movie. Like, I can't believe... It, it's really everything because you watch Ryan Gosling sometime in a performance and you're like, ah, oh, I like this guy, but he's a little bit robotic. And it was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the perfect guy to play a fucking replicant. Like, it's just, it's such a great, great performance by him. The shots and the cinematography, this has to be the year that Roger Deakins wins an Oscar. It for has this to. Role. Like, this is, I think, the best looking movie of the year in that, like, they're just some beautiful shots of just the way that they use color and the just you see billboards and stuff like that the use of joy this uh this hologram hologram character and her scene that that she has with Mackenzie Davis one of the most inventive sex scenes that I've ever seen in a movie it's before jaw dropping it really is you are just taken by the spectacle of it all um of course this movie is two hours and 45 minutes and you do kind of feel the runtime a little bit but that's not something that i minded because i just appreciated how faithful to the noir genre that it was in that it was willing to linger on the shots that you see and it's willing to really take its time and be patient um i wanted a little bit more out of the climactic scene that we had, um, the uh, water car scene. Um, but overall, I think this movie is amazing. It's one of the best sequels ever made. And I just, I, I absolutely love this movie. All right. Now we're getting to the nitty gritty here. Number two, Lady Bird. Oh, nice. yeah. Okay. I love this movie. I think it's near perfection. Everything from the editing to the performances to the directing to the costume design to the music. Dave Matthews, guys, come on. Dave the Matthews, NBA. man. This movie just, it, it, it tells the story of the transition from, uh, I guess, at, from adolescence to adulthood. And the performance of Sorsha Ronan in this role that is clearly Greta Gerwig's life is unbelievable. And Greta Gerwig managed to put together such a tight script with impeccable direction um and it's hilarious it's a really funny movie and you have some really emotional beats um there's really nothing that i can uh knock this movie for the only thing is that i wanted more mm -hmm. it's too short yeah. <laughs> and i wanted it to be longer and i wanted more out of these characters because it's so damn good everyone is amazing there's no there's no one that sticks out everyone blends into the film um and i i loved it i saw it twice i thought it was great and it's hopefully will get recognized at the oscars if if anything um mm -hmm. greta gerwig for her script and her directing and i'm sure shorts has a good chance of 
winning best actress all right what is your number two drew that would that would be nice if she did yeah. um mine is blade runner 2049 uh Unlike you, probably both of you guys, I really don't like the first Blade Runner that much. Like, mm-hmm. upon rewatching, I was like, man, I'd, I'd rather not be watching this. It's just uh, Harrison Ford walking it's around. some problematic scenes well, in the first Talking Blade to Runner. some people. It's, it's, also, it's just a, it's a great-looking, boring story. Uh, like, the story is very basic, almost. For, for such a visionary, the way it looks, and I'm sure the book is a lot more less... Uh, basic of a story because philip k dick writes really good shit it's a short story yeah Yeah, uh, well that would make sense then because they had to find kind of uh fill in some blanks but the sequel i think kind of outclasses the first blade runner in every way imaginable um it's the the project of this like to accept this deal you know (laughs) that you have to do so much right just to not piss off like a million angry nerds um, and he, he really did it. I have not seen many people who are mad at this movie. Um, the pacing maybe is a bit slow, but it, it had to be, he couldn't have made a fast paced Blade Runner movie that would just have felt wrong. Um, and I think the most interesting part of this movie is it is the most imaginative future that I've seen, uh, period in that it is not like a current imagining of the future. He had to, to write this movie, he had to get in the mind of someone from way back when imagining the future beyond what the first Blade Runner does. Yeah. That is a really, (laughs) like, that's a weird thought exercise. That's really hard to do. And the inventiveness of all these technologies that we see, that was enough to fascinate me for, like, a good half of the movie. Just, like, looking at how things work in this world. You don't doubt it for a second. You know, you just completely, it it all follows, it all looks unbelievable this is one of the best looking movies ever made like i would i would comfortably say that um and acting wise it has it has really good performances but that's almost just not kind of the focus of the movie well i think that denis really brings out the best from his uh actors that he gets even dave bautista who's only in the movie for like three minutes but it's like the best of dave bautista yeah i'd, I'd love like, to see that guy in a drama after blade runner yeah like he, he kind of yeah. proven that he can be more than just like ha 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 i'm big strong funny man in marvel movies I don't think there's any performance that really stumbles. Maybe Jared Leto would be the only one, but even I mean, he's doing his usual shtick. Yeah, he's, Jared Leto is like a little bit annoying, but it's enough that you can kind of look past it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He like I wasn't, I didn't like love his performance, but I didn't hate it. I wasn't like, God damn it. The, the worst part about that is thinking that it could have been David Bowie, which yeah. was the first choice that yeah they had for that role. Yeah, and also thinking that it could have been anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know he didn't he didn't ruin anything for me uh and it's just it's like a giant fucking chunk to imagine taking on this this load to make a movie like this and he really does it well there are little things i can nitpick it, i know it, it's really long it doesn't feel two hours 45 it feels like maybe he could have chopped off like 10 minutes but that would still make a long ass movie but i still enjoyed there was it didn't drag for most of the movie for me um, which usually movies that long do. It's just all around technically one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life. Probably that I ever will see. There's there's just Roger Deakin is putting on a masterclass. Denis, 
I don't know how this dude is doing this <laughs> shit. Like he's relatively green. Like he he's, just had Arrival <laughs> just came out last year. Like how is he pumping out these great I don't, films? I don't get it. He's just he's already in the class of people from like decades Spielberg ago. Yeah, he's already yeah. up there, and he's he's. He's not like young, but he's like what in his forties, early forties. It's like it's like geez, like how is this guy gonna get better? Um, Because this movie is, from what he was given the source material, he did a perfect sequel. He's fifty, by the way. Okay, but still, that's not like old for a director. Yeah, any any fault that I have in this movie can be traced back to problems that i have with the first blade runner so they're faults that kind of have to be in the movie to make a blade runner movie exactly yeah. so i really can't i cannot fault denny for anything in this movie that i disliked and that's that's why it's my number two because it's just it is a masterwork all right hunter your number two my number two is get out um Hell yeah i just i i'm a huge horror buff like i love horror movies uh especially like classic horror movies just because i hate the direction that so many modern horror films have gone with relying on jump scares and not really worrying so much about the content that we're getting and get out it it created a new genre it created this whole genre of social horror films that really like make you think and are so much more than just like scares they're more about like concepts that you Mm -hmm. have to think about and make you think about even things that you do in your own life. Like, of course, there's the whole, like, thing where he's just, like, uh, the the father is just, like, you know, I would have voted for Obama for a third term <laughs> if I could. And it's, like, little <laughs> shit like that where you're, like, yeah, oh, like, yes, yeah, I'm dude, being I, progressive Yeah, right I love now. Obama, dude. Yeah, but it just... it The directions that Get Out goes, like, you just never see it coming. But yet, it's not just a movie that gets... Uh, that you get bored with after one viewing. It's a movie I've now seen it three times. I like it more and more every single yeah, time. That it I gets watch better. It. The second it's, time was better for me. It's something that it's so meticulously made, which is just so impressive by Jordan Peele. This is his first movie they made that it's so well put together and plants. well thought out. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can see every little moment coming. The first scene um, where. Uh, he he hits the deer while driving his car, and then the cop shows up. Like there are just like little moments like that. There are seeds that are planted that yeah. they're shocking whenever you see them the first time. But then, with the context of knowing where the movie is going, you like start so to good. Kind of pick you're, up you're, on things. Yeah, you're you're already uncomfortable in the beginning, and he does a great job of growing that feeling. Um, to to your point that you made earlier, I do think that the humor could have been a little bit better. Um, for the most part, I didn't mind the audience surrogate character. I thought that the he t- was pretty TSA fun. Guy. The TSA guy. I thought that he was fun. Um, I didn't. The worst scene in the movie, I think, is the scene where he's in the uh, the police station. Yeah. I think that that's like the consensus that that was the worst yeah, scene of the movie. It's which, not even that it's poorly executed. It's just something I've seen four times. Yeah, no, that's the whole thing. Is and, it's and, just, and it's in a movie the, that's it's, yeah, it's in the middle of the most original movie I've yeah, ever exactly. seen. Yeah, exactly. That's the whole thing. Is in a movie that's so original and different that it's just like we're gonna get. Oh, let me let me call in the other guy in here to listen to this, and he goes through the same story, and then they bust out laughing, and it's like uh, okay, like there it I've is, seen yeah. that before. Um, which is, I mean, that partially we're just holding it to such a high standard because the rest of the movie set right, high and standard. that's why. I, I can't really take away because I still love his character for the most part. And when he, when you see the the cop lights show up at oh, the very yeah. end, that's 
a heart dropping moment. Like you're just like, oh fuck, here we go again. Yeah, you're like, not like yeah. he's saved. Yeah, like, like shit. And that's and that's an idea that the movie did such a great job of making us think that that you think it's going in this direction and yeah, there's great turns and bad turns and it really keeps you on the edge of your seat. I think that this was the best theater experience of any movie I've seen this year just because there were moments where people were like screaming at the theater screen like <laughs> get out, get out, get out. <laughs> Perfect name for a movie yeah. also. Mm-hmm. Just it the title says it all. Yeah. Just get um, out. And just to because we're talking about how he's invented this little subgenre, just imagine based on the premise of kind of what I said earlier about like it's as if he was staying at, you know, his white girlfriend's parents' place and he was really uncomfortable and then he had a nightmare about that and that's what that is. Imagine all the various situations in, in which people are made super uncomfortable by social settings and then if they were to imagine the worst case scenario. Oh, yeah. There are so many movies that can be made in this vein. Yeah. And, and I would watch every single and one of them. And it doesn't feel campy. It's like no, well no, executed and well yeah. acted and everything. And again props to jason blum and blumhouse like this is probably their biggest success ever oh yeah Yeah. definitely huge huge profit on this film Mm -hmm. came out of nowhere and now it's like a huge cultural phenomenon like jordan peele and jason blum are just swimming in cash right now (laughs) all right number one here we go blade runner 2049 figured yeah i figured that i hadn't heard it yet i (laughs) this is everything i want out of movies I did not. I, the first time I saw it, I felt the runtime and I felt it a little long. But the second time, I just let it wash over me. Every single frame of this film is a work of art. It just, it's gorgeous. It, 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 it it's everything that you want that I want out of movies. It's, it's amazing cinematography, just an engaging story, great acting, great music. It's just a film that is firing on all cylinders. There's nothing about this movie that feels like it's a misstep. It's an absolutely unbelievable feat, and it really, really sucks that it bombed at the at the at the box office yeah. because it is a work of yeah. art. As however, as far as Denis' career goes, I don't think it matters that it bombed. I think anyone it, who likes movies will yeah. watch that and be like, "Well, that's it's crazy. just it's a financial failure. It's a yeah. huge huge failure and I think that's going to hurt him. Um, but at least, you know, it has the critical acclaim, maybe not all the critical acclaim that it deserves. Uh, it, it's probably not going to get nominated for many Oscars. The only one we're hoping for is Roger Deakins for cinematography. Yeah. But I would love to see like a Denis nomination for directing. That's, that's yeah, not this is so. Do you guys think it's not getting so much buzz partially because it's a sequel? I and think some it's of the, just some because, of the groundwork was laid out for it. I think it's just because nobody saw it. Like this, this movie really. Well, I didn't... don't think that that necessarily hurts it because how many like movies like the Florida Project and like so many movies that have limited releases that still. Well, yeah, but I I also people. I do think the fact that they were expecting a lot of people to yeah. see it that might hurt it. I think that it, yeah, it's well, it's a big budget movie. Yeah, yeah. And now but... I'm seeing ads for it on Facebook and social media and stuff, and they're trying to sell it like this action movie, which and, it's not, and it's not that at all. It's just very, it's like a tone poem. I well, mean, we we talked about it during our review, it, and it's it's yeah, it's this slow, very just meticulously crafted detective story, and and you're just on this journey of of a man who thinks he's not a man 
realizing he may be the most important man yeah and just all the twists and turns that are involved in that and it's it's a movie that really took me by surprise and that it left me thinking about what it means to be human and what life even is and what existence is and it 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 looks amazing it sounds amazing and it's really the best film of the year in my opinion another thing is is that i think it has like two or three of the top 10 top five best moments in film this year uh one of them was of course the joy sex scene and the other one was uh uh officer k and uh harrison ford's character their fight yeah. that they have with the Elvis playing in the background, the choppy <laughs> it's so cool. music. It's so cool and inventive and unlike anything and I've ever seen There's before. so much of that in this film. Yes. And, and even with the nearly three-hour runtime, I wanted more out of this story. <laughs> yeah. I wanted it to keep going because it's so rich yeah. and lived in and just... It's what movies should be. It is yeah. a incredible world that you feel, that you believe in, that you buy, that you want to see more of, and that speaks to us as humans in the world. And that it has mm-hmm. something, because that's something that, that sci-fi stories struggle with a lot of times, is relating it, like painting a picture of a completely different world and relating it to ours. And this is something this film really drives home well, while still telling the same story of Deckard from the original film and improving on it in every way. Yeah. Speaking of the fact that they're marketing it as an action movie, I think that both of these movies are probably cursed by the fact that they're called Blade Runner. Yeah. <laughs> both of those words are so packed with energy yeah. and like yeah. action and like, oh shit. Like I, like I went into the scene, the first one thinking like, oh shit, this is going to be crazy. Yeah. And it's just not yeah. like, um, so yeah, on that front, because originally the story is called "Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep," which is too wordy to be a you know a movie title, mm-hmm. but it needs to be something in that vein, I think. Yeah, um, just to convey what the movie is, you know. Maybe um, they should should have just made a movie about electric sheep. <laughs> yeah, that would have right. made money. What is your? You guys have the same so number. So we one, have right? the na- same number one. Right? Ready? Mm-hmm. One, two, three, and. Justice Blade. League. Ju- Justice League. Yeah. <laughs> Ladybird. Yes. Paul Synergy. Three. <laughs> um, yeah, it's Ladybird. I this is one of the only movies I've seen in my whole life where I left and I thought because you know I'm a I'm kind of an arrogant dick sometimes, especially when I'm watching it. I'm like, oh yeah, I, I would have fixed that. I couldn't fix anything about this movie. There's nothing I would change. Um, it takes the simplest of premises, a premise that has no hook to it. It doesn't have like a like an elevator pitch. It's just a girl growing up, and it's just a very specific tale of a girl growing up. And the specificity is what makes this movie uh, genius. It's a masterwork of screenwriting because every single character in this movie is breathing. Like they are all unique. They all speak in unique ways. They have individual little affects that aren't like acting choices. They are writing choices that um, Greta Gerwig made when writing this, that I was just in awe. Like the, I saw characteristics in people that I've just never seen in a movie, but I've seen in real life that she's, she's just clearly like unbelievably observant to notice all these things. And I'm sure plenty of it is pulled from real life. Um, And from her career making films. Yeah, exactly. But it's just, it is a masterful screenplay. Like there's just, and then that's not even mentioning 
the directing of it is another thing. I couldn't like what would I do differently? Literally nothing. It is beautifully shot. It makes Sacramento look not cool, but it makes Sacramento look how it is, but also interesting. And that's what makes it so beautiful. Yeah, exactly. It just it makes it look like a a real place where people really live and not just kind of like a backdrop. Mm-hmm. Um you could say that Sacramento is a character in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then the another thing that is a lot of the time it's just taken for granted or not even noticed, uh, even when it's good, but the editing of this movie. Oh, the editing is phenomenal. Just, yeah, it's just like yeah. what like the amount of time that went into this. You could tell where she said that like she didn't show anyone this movie until she had been writing it for about like yeah. five years. Yeah. And then she showed it to people who she really respects and she changed it even more. This is a movie that like has had all of the fat trim from it. There's just nothing there that should not be there. It is all in order. It is all perfectly arranged. Uh, it The only knock you could have and people that I know don't really like it just because it's it's a simple story. It's not anything like grand and a lot of people are used to going to the movies to see something big. Yeah. Um, but I think the best movies like the Florida project are about finding big things in like normal life. Those, that's my favorite kind of movie. And so this was basically an ideal version of my favorite kind of movie. So I had to give it number one. Yeah. I mean, the reason why I had Blade Runner, a, a definitive step above this is because of that sense of scale. Yeah. It's, it's way bigger because yeah. you, you do get the sense of like this being a huge, huge movie with deep, deep, deep thought-provoking themes. Lady Bird is a beautiful film, but it's really just not as, like, brainy and cerebral, mm-hmm. which is something I respond to yeah. personally. All, yeah, that's usually that's what I go for, but this, this year, all my favorite movies, I've been mentioning the phrase emotional intelligence because that's what I've been looking for in screenwriting. I've been reading a lot of books about this type of stuff and it just keeps sticking in my head that it's really difficult to do. Christopher Nolan's one of the best filmmakers of our generation and he has trouble with it with emotional intelligence and she just fucking nailed it. It follows this through line that just gets you in the heart and that's hard to do, especially when you're not making a movie like Coco that is just engineered to make you sob. You know what I mean? This movie isn't made to make you cry, but it just does. Yeah. I, uh, I, I agree with you completely. I mean, that's why I had to put it number one is because this is almost a flawless story. Like the biggest criticism for it is that I wanted it to be a little bit longer, but at the same time, the pacing of this movie is impeccable. Like it's just, it's so perfect how it shows it. It's, it's almost the editing uh, reminded me of the Florida project in that you get like little bits and chunks here and there, and Mm -hmm. then it all kind of weaves together for a very cohesive story. Um, like we just get a little scene of uh, Sorcerer Ronan walking in and realizing that her boyfriend is gay, stuff like that, and then it would cut to her and her friend sitting in the car listening to Dave Matthews Band. Like it, it feels like you're looking back on memories. Yeah, which it just—that's yeah. what makes the editing so great. And this cast, like she, Greta Gerwig really got the best out of these performers. Of course, Saoirse Ronan, Laurie Metcalf is unbelievable. Tracy Letts as her father is just perfect. Um, and shout out to Beanie Feldstein who played her best friend. Mm. Like mm-hmm. she just gives an awesome 
performance. Yeah. This yeah, this movie like, is also hilarious. Yeah. It is hilarious. Genuinely. Laugh out loud hilarious. Yeah. Um, without having without telling jokes. Yeah. You know, it's just funny because it's real. Also, shout out to Timothy Chalamet. Timothy oh. Chalamet. In a completely different <laughs> performance. Also, that, that character is one of my favorite characters of the whole year just, just because of how many dudes I've met who are like that. I and know. it's like, shut the fuck up, bro. I'm trying not to spend money or contribute to the American economy. Yeah. And meanwhile, he drives around a BMW. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, that's that's just such a perfect, like, it, it's so good yeah. for, like, a suburban character yeah. like and that. We, me and you were talking about this. The juxtaposition of that character and then who he played in Call Me By Your Name yeah. is, like, opposite. They're similar, but they're so just opposite. speaks to his talent. Particularly in the sex scenes, it is, like, the complete role reversal. And it's just, it's crazy how well he did. Yeah, I really hope he gets some recognition because um, he's so fucking good. But, yeah, I, I, I want anything else from Greta Gerwig anything else she would possibly do she was telling a story on Colbert she was the star of um how I met your father which was a yeah a failed sequel to how I met your mother just about a whole different uh family and she said that they would uh air the pilot to like test groups and whenever she was on the screen they would hit the red button of like I don't like that I don't like that And you know what a fucking gift that is because she could be making way more money on a mediocre sitcom yeah. and instead she just made an incredible movie. It's yeah. just like it's it's really it's so it's such a beautiful story. Like I just can't express that enough that I really think that this is going to stand the test of time as one of the best coming of age stories that we have. Yeah. Like, and, and it's a good without trying to be it's a great time capsule of the early 2000s. And. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I will say, uh, I saw this movie twice in theaters. And the first time, I was, of course, watching it from Sorcerer Ronan's character. But the second time watching it through, I really related to the parents more in this movie. And that's how uh, one of the reasons why I love this movie so much is because you can latch on to different characters in the story and it's all very understandable what they're going through. Like you yeah. can either latch on to Saoirse Ronan and understand her angsty teenage feelings, or you can understand Laurie Metcalf who is, she's very stern, but she's just trying to be a great mother. Oh, yeah. And this, just trying to provide for her child. This movie has an unbelievably, it's heart wrenching and it's realistic. The mother daughter relationship yeah. that it yeah. Cause she struggles like, liking her daughter Mm -hmm. she loves her so much but she is really having a hard time relating to her in a more human friendly uh scenario than just Mm -hmm. like a parent to a child Mm -hmm. all right any final thoughts guys we got to wrap it up here um i basically like we said at the beginning if we talked about a movie on this podcast that means that it was it was really good Mm -hmm. and justice league yeah, <laughs> it was it was great. It was a masterwork. Um, we promise that uh, next week we'll get back to regularly scheduled programming and we won't have three hour pods anymore. <laughs> but thanks for sticking with us. Or maybe we will. I don't know. I mean, Aquaman comes out this year. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this year, you know, this was a great 2017 was a great year. But I don't know if 2018 will match it in any way. There's some big movies coming out. We got Black Panther, Infinity War. I don't know if we're going to get as many like across the board great movies in 2018. Yeah, 2017 almost seems like an outlier just yeah. because so many 2016 we had there was especially in the Oscars like it was La La Land or Moonlight pretty, like that yeah. was that was pretty much it yeah. was, those yeah. were the two heavy favorites well, and this year it seems like it's really spread out a lot more I, th- I think that the age of the internet and streaming is helping smaller movies get actual not just like watched but watch the year that they're made right because they're getting 
once once a city once a movie theater if they are on the internet once they know that there's buzz about a certain movie like they'll they'll put it on one screen and even that is enough for like us to see it which in any other world in any other year we would not be able to see yeah. these movies period until they're like well past release and it's too late yeah exactly so it's it's been easier than ever for, for us to get in the theater watching these good movies yeah and also shout out to movie pass so that we can yeah, just go like, to the theater. Like I said, my my consumption like doubled or tripled yeah. once I got the movie pass. Yeah. It actually is a big deal. All right. Well, you can email the show at webottamike at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at webottamike. Check out our Facebook page. Let us know, you know, how much you love Justice League or <laughs> um I don't know, Paddington or some shit. Oh, wait, that's a 2018 film. Paddington 2 is out. Um, I, I think I read that that's good. No, yeah, know. it has like 100% right now on Rotten Tomatoes. I've actually, I've heard that the first, like the first Paddington is great and the second one is just as good, if not better. So. Sure, sure. Well. <laughs> Get off your fucking pretentious high horse, okay? All right, well. see Paddington. Well, maybe we'll talk about Paddington. Maybe we'll sure, just sure, dive sure. into the whole Paddington cinematic We have universe. movie pass, so like, we might as well go see Insidious, the last key mm, kill me that looked bad all right <laughs> i am at calderness on twitter and instagram what about you guys i'm at drew deetson on most things i think i'm at drew d on letterboxd yeah I'm, check out our letterbox we have all our lists up on there yep. uh it's a cool cool site i'm probably for, gonna post my top 25 yeah i have so. yeah i have i mean i i have every movie i saw this year on that i'll on be list. logging everything i see in 2018 on letterbox and yeah. providing thoughts i i realize that i don't want to rate movies anymore because Pretty much every single movie on my list was a it's four out of five. It's all four stars. Yeah, no. So that's I'm not even going to bother anymore. I'm just either going to recommend it or not. Mm. All right, Hunter. So you're um, I'm at Hunt Mobley on uh, Twitter. Also, check me out on Letterboxd. Um, I've been starting to post actual reviews for movies, so uh, check me out. Um, if you're like a person who's like looking for a film critic, just hire me and not these two guys. Gilb. <sighs> okay. All right, well, thanks uh, Thanks for sticking around with us. We'll try to keep it more succinct as we get this year going, but it's going to be a good year. Hopefully, no we, there's some good good movies out this year. So I mean, I think the best us. movies that come out are probably going to be movies that we like have not heard of until they exactly. start. Yeah, that, buzz. The, the buzz will come around. That's what happened this year or last um, year. Also, you know, TV shows, uh, Good Place is coming back. Mm-hmm. Atlanta coming back. Atlanta's coming back. Westworld's coming back. A lot of good stuff to get into. All right. You got, a, you got a little song queued up there? Oh, yeah. Play um, us out, Dave. Hit it! Bye. Bye.